You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. The only people for me are the mad ones. The world is filled with the boring and the barely conscious. Misery loves company. But we don't have to live this way. Jessica and I are here to talk to those the system rejects, to radicals and thought criminals. The ones who never yawn or say a commonplace thing but push the boundaries of acceptable discourse. Those who stare reality in the face and dare it to be different. History isn't made by the timid, and fun is not had by the perpetually afraid. We are the Mad Ones. So let's get to it. Welcome to the Mad Ones. I am your testosterone-based host, Cam Harless, and with me today, and as always, is your estrogen-laced host, (laughs) Miss Jessica Green, a.k.a. Soup Can. Um, Our guest tonight is the host of Peace Freaks, and he does so many other things that it would be actually impossible to wrap up in a short couple of sentences. Um, But it's the inimitable Nikki P, a.k.a. Nick Bacone, a.k.a. Three Dicks. He is the perfect mixture of toxic masculinity and toxic femininity, and that is both terrifying and exhilarating. How you doing, Nick? I'm doing fantastic. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. I, I I feel so excited every time I hear that intro. I, I, I'm going to be honest. The only reason I say yes to coming on the show is in the hopes that I get to hear it again. <laughs> What's funny is that it, it was just a ticker in one of our um, election, one of the debate night things, and it was just... I loved writing it. You loved reading it. I'm tickled to think that anything about me made people think that that makes sense. And I'm like, yeah, I'm totally about this. <laughs> Some, something in my uh, uh, just general ness confused somebody enough. I, I don't, I don't know if it's my inherent love for the movie. It's Pat that really does it, or what it is. But I'm, I appreciate wow. it. Pat, remember Pat? I, I, I literally watched that movie a couple months ago because I'm like, whatever happened to that? Like, is that actor still doing things? Or just, I don't think they are. Honestly, was. It- oh. Did that movie do well? Oh, no. Because I feel like it didn't. Oh, no, it did very poorly. But we all remember it. <laughs> like, very clearly, I remember that movie. Like, it was supposed to be popular. It wasn't well, it was that. based on an SNL skit, wasn't it? Like, so it was just... That yeah. might be what it was. It was one of those chances where they were trying to make money. and God bless them for trying. You know, whatever sticks. <laughs> Lonely Island, I think, had left before they managed to get a movie that made sense. Yeah. So Well, it, uh, the thing about that is there was a stint in in what it was the late 90s, early 2000s, where they were like, let's take all of the sketches that work at like three and a half minutes and try to stretch those over 180 minutes. You're about to talk <laughs> shit at Night at the Roxbury and we're going to have problems. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen Night at the Roxbury all the way through. <laughs> but I'm just saying there were a lot of those that happened. Like, I think it, it started with Wayne's World. I feel like it's unethical to tell you to watch Night at the Roxbury or that it's a good movie, but you should watch Night at the Roxbury. It's a good movie. It's it's <laughs> something. Okay, so so since you brought it up, are you one of those people that says, "Oh, only the first Wayne's World was good"? Because you're wrong. No, I I was too young. I was too young when Wayne's World was big for me to really watch it and care about it. And I I downloaded it recently so that I can actually watch it as an adult and see what I think. Same with Austin Powers. I wasn't allowed to watch them. Oh, the Austin Powers movies are terrible. They ruined Mike Myers' career. 
The last good movie Mike Myers made was So I Married an Axe Murderer. This, that was a great movie. Yeah and, yeah, and then what happened? He started doing a bunch of character bullshit, and it ruined his entire career. After I mean, granted, he's making more money than you could possibly imagine after that. But, you know, I'd have preferred to have more So I Married an Axe Murderers and way less, you know, whatever that thing he was doing in Austin Powers was. The last movie I saw him in where I remember seeing him was um, Inglorious Bastards. I really remember that movie. Where he, Phenom- where he, phenomenal, he played, excuse me. He played some... Drank earlier today. Some, I, think he, I think he was British. That would make but sense. But he was also in the, um, the Freddie Mercury movie. Should also make sense. So, yeah, because his dad's a Scot and he's very, very Well, if you, and, if you really want to see something funny, what I recommend is you get on YouTube and you look up Dave Foley's The True Meaning of Christmas Special's Christmas Special. And then you get to see Mike Myers in a bathtub full of money and Tom Green is his butler. As, as, as he tells Dave Foley, would you like me to top you off? Uh, which one do you want me to use? And then there's just like baskets full of money in there and it's like the Wayne's World money and the Austin Powers money <laughs> in the baskets. <laughs> it's a wonderful joke. Well played. Well played. <laughs> so before we got, got on, we were talking about um, how you have come to not verbal, I guess, textual blows with certain right libertarian types about social justice. And I kind of wanted to talk about that because I think I, I, we've talked somewhat and I think we understand where the other is, but I want, I, I kind of want to dive into that because I feel like I'm going to agree with you in a lot of big ways, but still be annoyed with social justice as a whole. Oh, well, see, you're probably right because you have an idea of social justice that is completely owned by people who have their hearts in the right places, maybe, and not a lot of thinking about things. So let me be the first to say this. I am in a mission to take back the term leftist. I, I have thought of myself as a leftist my entire life. And frankly, I don't see the need to give that up because a bunch of people do stupid stuff. Uh, you know, I'm still an anti-war person. That never changed. I still care about the about we'll say you know, the environment that's never changed. I still care about people around me, which you can't look at history and not say, yeah, we fucked over a lot of people culturally, whether it's Native Americans, black people. I can't ignore that that happened. Now, the thing that's going you're going to see different about me and what really sparked the conversation that I was having with, with certain people was that. I, you know, I said, I believe in social justice. And yeah. I think people immediately assume that when you believe in social justice, you're going to talk about programs and redistribution CRT. and all that kind of shit. And the bottom line is, none of that's going to solve anything. It's only going to sw- swing the, uh, you know, <laughs> whatever the thing the is. Yeah, swing the pendulum the other way. Because you're now going to be anti-social justice towards the other side of things. The bottom line is, is that the whole, like, if you really want to go, if you want to get reparations, okay, we got to take them from the government. We got to take it from those people that robbed you. And that has always been the government. No, no point did all that money get put in just general white people's pockets. It was the government. So the only solution is to get rid of the government. Get it out of there. Yeah. Get it out of the equation. Now, I'm not saying we should all go out there and force, force every white person to give their money back because I don't think that solves anything. But I think it's certainly within reason to sit there and go, 
man, it really sucks that that person historically has been fucked over by the government. Remember how their dad and their grandpa were thrown in jail for a fucking plant? Because, oh, wait, they live in really poor neighborhoods already? And we know what you do when you're poor and you ain't got shit else to do. You get high. And mm-hmm. and then you tell them for the next three generations, oh, you're worthless and white people have been stealing everything and you can't do shit. And then you ruin the next generation telling them they can't be anything. Like, the disenfranchisement that they've done to generations of fucking black men is just insane. And to ignore that... Yeah. Now, I, I will say, I'm taking no ownership of that. My family wasn't even in the States until the 1950s. So I ain't got shit to do with any of it. In that same vein, I don't know when your family guys, when your family's got over here, I really doubt they probably had anything to do with it. Unless, of course, they were government officials, in which case, yeah, maybe you guys got what's coming to you. But to ignore it outright certainly is not going to win you any fans on the other side. You're not going to have, you're not going to be able to talk to people that believe that at the very least it's an important issue. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, it's a non sequitur. You're not going to communicate with those people. You are already written off. Man. Yeah, uh, it, it's it, from if with me, like I, I tell people, I'm a leftist who learned economics, and I, and I believe that. The bottom line is, I still want all the same shit. I just think that what the modern left preaches in almost every instance, well, those are uh, really crappy ways about getting what you want. And social justice is no different than a, a good uh, environment or, uh, you know, a good economic situation. Well, and I think that one of the interesting things is, um, for me, you know, I'm a Christian man. I study the Bible. I care very deeply about what it says. But there is in the Bible, there's the concept of societal or social justice taking care of the poor, the widows, you know, that aspect mm-hmm. of social justice. And it's it it's one of those things that I, I was reading something not that long ago and or I was, I was listening to a pastor who I, you know, respect very deeply. And he mentioned social justice, and I immediately bristled. Mm. And it wasn't because I don't think that orphans and widows and people who've been disenfranchised, not disenfranchised, disenfranchised is such a weird word because usually that just means haven't been allowed to vote when people talk about it. But you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. someone who've been pushed to the margins. You should care for those people. I agree with that fully. But there is this, the bastardization of the concept to mean, you know, critical race theory or white fragility or whatever is so strong in my mind that when I hear that, I sometimes have a hard time going past that surface-level vernacular, if that makes any sense. You know what's funny is I hear white fragility now, and it's just synonymous with uh, Coca-Cola. Right. That's all I can think about. I hear white fragility, I'm like, oh, man. Remember when we used to have, we used to have Coke? <laughs> That's what was so funny is they, they you know, uh, if, if people in the audience don't know this for some reason, but... Uh, Coca-Cola came out, they did a, I think it was, it was the woman who wrote White Fragility. Um, what's her name? Do you happen to know her Robin name? Robin DeAngelo? Robin, is it Robin DeAngelo? Robin DeAngelo? Something like that? I, um, I, something it's not like worth that. remembering. White. Try and forget it. Strike um, it from your memory. I'm going to duck duck go But they it. did duck duck go that shit soup can. <laughs> <laughs> it is Robin. Whoever had Robin DeAngelo, you won. It was, I do it. I just make it do what it do, baby. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, so someone was in the Coca Cola, you know, how how to be a better white person classes, and they they took a picture of, I guess it was a online learning through um, not Linda. What is it? What who took who bought Linda? Um, LinkedIn. 
learning. Okay. They they had it on LinkedIn Learning, and uh, so they they released the screenshot where it said, you know, to be less white is to be less oppressive, to be less arrogant, be less certain, be less less defensive, be less ignorant, be more humble, listen, believe, break with apathy, break with white solidarity. And I'm like, come at me, bro. Right. And so my, my first thought, when I saw the screenshot, I was like, I'm changing it. I'm going to go into Photoshop and I'm going to update it. And I did. So now my version is to be less white is to be less oppressive, to be less arrogant, to dance better, to be less defensive, stop licking inside your dog's mouth, be more humble, eat less mayonnaise, let your wife bang black men, break with apathy, and stop saying okie-dokie artichokey. Because I think this is, this is a message we can get behind. I feel personally spoken to. I can say I've... I have never said okie dokie, okie dokie. So uh, I, I feel <laughs> now you have. I feel quintessentially black over here, frankly. <laughs> Congratulations! <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so there's that's one of those. It and that's and that's the thing. Like when it comes to like critical race theory or white fragility or all of that, it is an attack on the concept of whiteness. Which even though when these leftists in the bad way try to say anything they go as hard as they can to try to make everything as complicated as possible so that they sound smart Mm -hmm. this lacks all nuance you know what i mean like it's because people aren't white people aren't going to see that and go oh they mean the concept of whiteness as it came out of the puritans and (laughs) the wasps they mean white people if your skin is this way you are you don't you're apathetic you don't care about the plight of others i mean it's inherently racist doesn't maybe but once again i'm sure i've told this story but you know these are the same people that told me i married my wife because i'm racist right you know because you had to colonize that womb yes that was the point <laughs> now i mean never mind how racist that is towards my wife and taking away her agency right. as both a woman and a person of color but you know Aside from the fact that this Robin D'Angelo woman is clearly a grifter, like it, it pays to go around and give these kind of conferences. Because I don't know if you guys remember a couple of days ago on Twitter. I know, Nikki, you're not on Twitter, so you didn't see this. But there um, was a woman named Ashley Shackelford going around who was giving seminars about how white people were not humans. And when the camera pans over oh. to the audience that was taking this class, it's full of white ladies who are sitting there, like, drinking their tea and listening to this lecture about how white people are not human. So, you know, I, I think that there's, like, this sort of this, like, snake oil sell- salesman mentality of people who can go around and sell this kind of, I'm going to do a seminar for you, for your employees, and teach them how to be more inclusive. Look, I'm a capitalist. Yeah. You can make money at it, I guess. And yeah. <laughs> people are willing to pay for it. I, I kind of can't hate on that side of it. I'll think it's stupid, and they're stupid for paying for it, but I guess to each their own. I guess my problem <laughs> is when they start pushing it, and like you have to do this stuff in you know, organizations sure. or the government, and I'm like, well, guess I'm out of but that. The, but the flip side of the way that gets disseminated by people is they say, okay, now I have this card to play where – Basically, being a racist is kind of like the worst thing you can be in our society. There's maybe one other thing, like being a pedo is maybe like worse than being 
a racist. Oh, no, I don't believe that at all anymore. Okay, so I, you know, I'm not going to quantify which is worse. I, you know, that's the whole. There, there are people with people ballpark, with active but... campaigns to get it listed as a sexual preference. So no, I don't think the society treats it the same anymore in any respect. But what people have now is a a, a chip in their to to play, which says that I know that this is the worst thing you can be in our society. So if I call you this, you will bend over backwards not to be referred to as this thing. And so right. I will say whatever I want to get you to do what I want you to do. Right. So I can twist your arm by saying, well, this makes you a racist. And if you say you're not a racist, it proves that what I'm saying about you is true. And it's like this completely no win situation. And, you know, that's um, the way that some of these like academic theories get disseminated amongst people who are not in the world of academia. They don't really know how to take them in as theories. They take them in as, OK, someone in a position of power, someone in an elite university said this thing, therefore it yep. constitutes a fact, it constitutes reality. And so there's a lot of problems about the way just sort of like these theories and ideas are getting pushed by think pieces to represent like reality when they're not. They're simply theories, the, the rambling theories of academics Look, like that. White lady, I would really like it if you would back up your oppressive reality <laughs> off of mine. <laughs> I mean, Look, I you don't I, know I, my <laughs> experience and my experience is my reality, which is so sad sure. because frankly, I, so I was a head philosophy minor in college. I, I spent my, my entire senior year doing nothing but studying basically ethics. Uh, there was one really interesting class called Phenomenology, which hmm. most of the things I read are, are all the stuff that you, that you get classified as, I think, would be the precursors to uh, what we call, you know, whatever that thing is. I, I, I hate it so much I can't even think of it. Uh, but, you know, as you're reading Heidegger and Sartre and all those guys, there was, a, there was an honesty in something that they had to say. And this is where... Yeah, we'll say people like Thaddeus Russell. I I have my issues with, uh, and it's that. Yes, you can only ever know your experience. You can never know anyone mm -hmm. else's. The color blue to you may not be the color blue to me, but the key is there is may. There's nothing to say that there isn't some sort of central oneness. Just because I can't experience it and I can't take away the right. veneer of myself doesn't mean it does not exist. And that is the fundamental problem of all these people and what they push. It's that they're pushing something as a, an asserted value. Mind you, as they say, there can be no true. There's no truth. But right. what I say is the truth. Um, and it's, uh, it's frustrating because the bottom line is, is that I'm certain there is some kind of truth. And it probably exists in the negative space or the places where things don't line up exactly. You know, what do, what do you see that I see and what, like, What's the, what's the law of averages on that? That kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So when Michael Malice smacked Thaddeus down on his show in regards to this, God, it was so empowering. I loved it. Those, those episodes that Thaddeus does with Michael Malice are the best ones because I think he's the, I think Malice may be the only guy who's just like, no. No, pretty much. I won't. I, right. Like, cause he'll be like, Oh, what about these people over here that, that they call racist? And he's like, I'm not them. I can't answer that question yeah. for you. Mm -hmm. Next. <laughs> I mean, that's always been my biggest issue with that. He's like, I, I think he goes in and he, I mean, good for him. He's assertive, but like he goes in and kind of like 
takes over any conversation that he's in, even if it's on somebody else's show and it's a little frustrating to watch. It's like, I listen to Michael Malice's yeah. show because I like Michael Malice, you know? Right. If I'm Thaddeus Russell's show, I'll go and pretend I listen to Unregistered. <laughs> I get about one in, one in every third episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like, I'm, I'm, I hope one day to be able to talk to Thaddeus Russell um, because there are a lot of things that he adds to the conversation that other people don't talk about. And those are some things that I want to know. And I want to I want to talk about because, you know, the cookie cutter governmental view of America and the world and who we are and how we are is very much not real, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. And so bucking that system and saying, hey, you know what? Culture has been created at the margins. These things that you love have come from people who were slaves or hookers or whatever is interesting. You know, it, it kind of pushes up against waspiness, which I think is really needed because I don't know if you've ever been on the internet, but they like to talk about how white people don't like to spice their food. I'm a white man from the South. I can't get enough spice. And so when I came to realize... I put red hot on my ice cream, bro. <laughs> but when I came to realize that when they say that, they mean wasps, it like made so much more sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, that meme makes sense to me now because I grew up in Alabama. We We... We season the collards. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's that's a staple. And so it didn't make any sense to me. But so it's it's good to see someone who goes, you know what? There's a lot of propaganda out there about where we came from and fuck that. But, you know, I I I don't have much more to say than that about Thaddeus Russell because I I have five kids. I don't get to listen to see, shit. Cam man. wants to talk to Thad and I want to talk to Camille Foster about Thad. That's hmm. my goal. <laughs> Uh, I thought you were going to say Camille Paglia, and I was like, I would also enjoy talking to her. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. Uh, it would probably not be very fun, but she, I, I would just have <laughs> to push buttons. Like, it would just be in me. Yeah. Like. There are conclusions in that book that definitely deserve some pushback or some questioning. Like, uh, I think it has a great point to make, but there are some, some conclusions in it that I'm like, ah, oh, that's a bit of a conclusion. And I'm not, I'm only halfway through the book yet, so I cannot i want you to, to look at music and i want you to look at dress and basically anything that most people care about and then tell me that no no i don't i i don't disagree with any of that i <laughs> like, think that 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 has like the historical aspects that he's bringing up the the stories that he has to tell in that book are really interesting and i am so fascinated learning about them there are conclusions that are drawn between the margins of those historical bits though and so it presents you get into the civil war stuff um, I'm not. I'm not quite there yet. Okay. I'm, I'm mainly in this. The um, like I said, I, I'm not even halfway there yet. I'm actually at chapter six, so I oversold how far into the book I am, which is has mainly been about slavery so far. And so a lot of the things that he's bringing up, I actually happened to know because I'm from Georgia and I'm familiar with this topic. Um, and I thought that that was great that he was bringing up these stories because it's not something a lot of people talk about. It's uncomfortable, yeah. but it it erases an entire group of people not to talk about this in their culture and the way that they lived and the way that they existed. So I appreciated what I'm hearing so far in the book. However, I think that there are conclusions that he draws in between the historical stories. And those might, you know, not, not maybe pushbacks wrong, but like I have questions. I have some questions for him for well, sure. The first amount of pushback I'm going to give to you is, uh, 
I'm going to really get up on my leftist high horse here and say, you just asserted that it is uncomfortable to talk about the Civil War and all that. Sure. Have you have you tried talking? Oh, I'll talk about, about it with anyone who listen, and I will be as offensive as hell. My but, point was, but I'm not just... saying you personally. I'm saying, have you tried to talk to other people about it? They become very uncomfortable. Talking oh no, absolutely. About I love war. I love pushing the buttons on it. That's my, where my my statement comes from. Oh, I wasn't saying you're wrong about the generality. My point was, you just asserted something as opposed to saying that most people believe that this is uncomfortable. I refuse to believe it's uncomfortable. I want to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. You're, okay. you're getting trapped in their mind game already. You're telling yourself this is an uncomfortable conversation. There's no uncomfortable conversations. I'm just going to have a conversation. They don't want you to talk about it, and they have mind-fucked you so hard that you, are, you, you immediately think, oh, this is going to be uncomfortable. I've had the conversation with plenty of people. Some people are assholes mm-hmm. about it. Others, you'll actually get some, I mean, you'll get pushback, but, like, they'll listen. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, mm-hmm. Even, even people I would say would be, like, on our side. Um, in particular, I've, I've had talked with... Uh, his name over at uh, Dangerous History Podcast, CJ. Because I asked him once, and I think this is a notable distinction. He doesn't see it as, as, as important, but I see it as very different as what the, what the Civil War is about. I think it is very important that Secession. it was actually, I believe, was actually about states' rights. Now, perhaps those rights sucked that they wanted, but that's a very different thing. Fighting over your rights as a state is very different than fighting for racism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether or not the thing that you want is racism. Because I'm, I'm sure most of those people fighting that were probably wouldn't have went out and say, oh, we're, we're doing this to keep the blacks out. It's right. important to look at the, there were people of that time who put articles into the newspapers about what their concerns were. So you can read these people by their own words and find out what they were fighting this war over. It's not like a, a grand mystery to anybody. This is racist we don't have revisionism, to... Jessica. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's literally <laughs> the record in ink. <laughs> like... Well, and the other, the other distinction I always raise is that, yeah, there's a big difference between what the fucking people with money want to do versus the people at the bottom. Those dudes fighting that war are probably right. like, look, I got to feed my fucking family. They're offering me money and food to come out here. I- I'm doing what I got to do because, right. you know, they're going to confiscate my shit one way or the other if I don't. Well, I'm from Alabama, and so when I ha- I've had some friends who were in like the um, Sons of Confederate Veterans deal, mm-hmm. and they had wanted me to join. I said, "Okay, well, I'll, I'll, let me do the history of it." And so, you know, I went back in my personal um, ancestry and found that I had uh, ancestors who fought in the Revolutionary War. I have ancestors who fought on the Confederate side of the war between the states. You know, I've I've seen these things, and one of the most interesting parts about it is my family was not rich. When they owned land, especially the Harlesses, it was not a lot of land, and it, they were essentially just dirt farmers. And they actually had a letter that they found from my great, 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 whatever number, great grandfather, to his wife, who's in the letter he said, I am, I'm only out here because I want to protect you from what Sherman will do. Yeah. Kind of thing. And it's like, you can't forget these people. Oh, wait, another example these in are history people. of people with money throwing out poor people for cannon fodder? When has that ever happened? <laughs> right. But that's that's what's so interesting is, uh, and we're talking to uh, Hotep Jesus on Sunday. So that should be a lot of fun. I told him uh, that I have a story that I want to tell him and I want to talk to him about. It includes the N-word, so I'm going to have to ask for the N-word pass before I tell the story, so it'll be a lot of fun. Um, 
<laughs> but um, that is, it, it's it's fascinating to me because I lived and grew up in Alabama. Every time you say the word up, Alabama, for the record, I just hear the doors in my head. <laughs> what do you mean? Show like the, me the, the, the way to the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't ask. <laughs> By the way, it's the Alabama song. <laughs> but growing up there, like I legitimately did not know anyone who used the N-word, especially with the hard R, racistly my whole life. It took me leaving Alabama and going down to Florida and then up into other I states. I was going to say, man, up in New York, I heard love someone it. use it. Right. Well, and that's the thing. I, I, I did not hear it because for one of, you know, there are a couple of reasons why. One, because we have we have to live with I was going to say, you guys people. probably had black people you know? around you. We didn't see much of them up yeah. there in the woods. Right. My, my, one of my first best friends was a little black, black guy. Like that was my whole reality. I never had the inkling of him being bad. I was like, dude, teach me how to shoot that well, basketball. One of the one of the Christian families in town had adopted a few, and that was the extent of the exposure that I got through most of my life. I never got, and yeah. I never got to date that girl because she she was dating another guy <laughs> on the on the football team. So it was many years oh, later before please. I got to have a black girl. Well, and, and 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 but that's what's so funny is I it took me years to to start hearing racism for, for the reason that we you know we live with with these people we know these people they're our friends we make we make barbecue with them we we drink sweet tea together you know whatever but the other thing is right after the civil war there was this massive propaganda campaign and it's ongoing to make southerners hate themselves mm -hmm. to make southerners feel guilty for things they didn't do and it's gone throughout the last 150 years. And so by the time I come around in the 1980s, like I'm not trained to be that way. I have no reason to be that way. And not none of my friends are either. And so it's like, it was really weird going up north and going through Chicago and hearing this like blatant racism and being like, I thought we were the bad ones down in Alabama. <laughs> well, it's otherism. There's none of those people ever came across those people. Well, it's like Eugene, Oregon, for example, or Portland. Those people will talk so much about race and racism. And like, what's the percentage of um, black black Americans in the South, in the, um, Alabama? Like 30, 40% of the population? It's like maybe 8% in, in Oregon. Like, you don't see people of another race in certain towns that are talking the most about this. And so, and so, all you have is the stereotypes at that point because you don't know right. anybody. Well, one of my favorite things to get into is if you've ever heard anyone say, "One of the good ones," you know that that expression. Yeah. And the and the first thing people say, "Oh, that's a that's a racist person," right? And that's stupid. Clearly, that person isn't racist. That person sees a stereotype of people, and they believe that certain collection of traits perhaps are inherent to people. But to be racist, they'd have to hate them regardless of all that. They'd have to right. hate the race for the race and not their bad vision of what that person is. Right. And I, I think that is an important distinction. Well, and, and when, when talking about critical race theory and all these other things and social justice as it stands now, you're talking about trying to reprogram loads of people 
when in the, the weirdest way ways possible, just collectivizing them further, making another other, making more thems and uses when it's individualism. That's the answer to that well, is to look at a human being and go, that's a fucking and human guess being. guess what? And I'm going to give you some pushback. Because Are whether you? or not you like it, those people collectivized. Those people think of black people as being something. Those people think of women as being something. And this was the issue I was getting into with the group I was discussing. It's, okay, it doesn't matter what you think. If you think that they're all individuals, yeah, they are all individuals, but they think of themselves as a tribe. Guess what? Oh, no. And guess what? This, this guy who didn't believe in groups was in a group with other like-minded people <laughs> saying that groups don't exist. Yeah. Oh, okay, but you're, you have put yourself in a group and said, I'm one of these people, and you're doing your thing as if you're involved in all this. So clearly groups matter. Tribes matter. Absolutely. You cannot yeah. ignore that. And I think that that's a problem. People take, they take things, like concepts too far. They think, yeah, we, we do need to focus on being all individuals. But to get to that point, you have to crack apart and show people the differences, which means you have to accept to a degree that at the very least, they believe this is a thing. And you can't pretend it doesn't exist. Otherwise, once again, it's a non sequitur. You'll never be able to reach them because it's going to write you off immediately. Well, and, and, and I, I, I want to clarify. When I'm talking about individualism, I don't talk about it in the sense that like, I've, I've spoken with Jessica and someone else on the show previously. When I'm talking about collectivism, I do draw a strong line between mandated collectivism and or coerced collectivism mm -hmm. and natural organic collectivism. I am a Christian. If I didn't have collectivism, I wouldn't be a Christian right. you, 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 because that's that's inherent. Families, tribes, there's always going to be collectivism. Right. But the point is the voluntary nature. Of well, it. and see, and this, so, this particular person now is in my argument with was denying that this was a thing, I guess, at all. Oh, no, yeah. all, that's, all that's there is the only thing that's important is individuals. I'm like, okay, well, that's nonsense. You're, you're never going to have a meaningful conversation with any person. And by the way, the whole thing started because right. my, my initial statement that sparked all of this was, Stop talking about leftists. Start talking about blue pill versus red pill. It's the only yeah, distinction well, that matters. And yeah. do they <laughs> acted like I? <laughs> oh no, no. I I'm sorry. Tim Pool and uh, and Jimmy Dore are worth a hell of a lot more to me than I don't know anyone in the Republican Party will say that much. Well, that's the thing. I I, I appreciate what Tim Pool does, but he has that blue pill lodged in the back of his throat. And I just need him to swallow the damn thing. I, when's the last time you were listening to Tim? I listen to him on a daily basis. If you've been listening to him in the past six months, that blue pill's uh, maybe not as lodged as you think it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those, what, what, I, what I've said in the past was, um, and it's, it, it, I have noticed a, a marked change. But for the longest time, it was like he had the blue pill in his cheek and he would suck on it when he got uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was very close, but maybe he's gotten even better since. Because the last time I listened to him was with um, Alex Jones and Michael Malice. I mean, that I, I, I'm going to be honest. Maybe that changed something in him because I've seen a market change yeah. even since then. Like he's been going hard yeah. at a lot of stuff lately. Um, I will also say, yeah, he gives time to Luke Rakowski, and that alone's good enough for me. <laughs> maybe get rid of that other guy in the show. I don't like him as much, but with the, the long-haired guy that needs to shut the fuck up yeah. every time he's on the show, Adam. Okay. Adam. You guys talking about Adam Cook? Oh, okay. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. But legitimately, every time he talks on one of those shows, I'm like, dude, seriously, shut up. <sighs> Read you are saying nothing right Read now. Read a book on economics, please. <laughs> Just one. Some really short ones. 
What was funny, though, is um, if you want a copy of Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt, you can go to Mises.org slash Economics in One Lesson and get a free hard hardback copy. Look, I heard they're, they're all racist. <laughs> but one thing you mentioned is, you know, the difference of uh, who, what is worse, a pedophile or a racist. And it, it brought me to this thing that happened on Twitter the other day. And um, I told you that it happened, but I told you not to look it up because I want to walk oh, you God, through this. this. Is, is pedophile and racist is where this goes? Oh, Jesus. I am you just, so you just uncomfortable told me he, already. He told me something he wanted to talk about, <laughs> and I couldn't look it up. It was a Twitter thing. He did not tell me pedophile and racist. Uh, okay, so... I'm excited so now. For starters... Let's piss uh, the people it, off. I don't, know if you can, I don't know if you can see this right here, but this is uh, the current president of the United States, Joe Biden. Um, he, you know, holding a baby's crotch. Uh, sniffing little girls, grabbing chests, etc. The stuff that you see and go, oh wow, he's disturbing in the very least, and we have to pretend that he's that this stuff's normal. So, a woman named L- Lauren Bobert, who I don't know who that is, no clue, but she tweeted, "Joe Biden's greatest fear of China of the China virus is losing his sense of smell," and he posted this picture, you know, with him. Looking like he's physically costing that girl, sniffing this one. It is a well-crafted joke, I will tell you that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But what happens, though, is if you retweet this tweet, they will lock your account. They will make it so that you cannot tweet, retweet, like, etc. You said Joe Biden in there. and Right, and so, but <laughs> wait wait for it. So, uh, my boy, my boy Whippenspoon... Um, got on there because he found this out and he wanted to test it. And his tweet, if Camel Toe hadn't fixed, had the election fixed so she can JFK her way into the slot, this woman would be our first female president. And then uh, another guy, Wooster, he used he wanted to test the algorithm by also throwing in a racial slur. And so he said, you know, am I bad for saying in or sharing this tweet and retweeted it? Both of them, shortly after retweeting this, got this warning. Your account has been locked. We locked your account for posting content that violates our child sexual exploitation policy. Regardless of intent, posting, retweeting, or linking to such content is strictly prohibited on well, Twitter. I look at that as a positive. Well, well, yeah, but at least Twitter, is, it means Twitter thinks that, that raping children is worse than calling someone a bad name, right? You would think, yeah. No, they, no, no. They think saying that Joe Biden is doing it is worse than that. They don't think doing it is worse than that. They absolutely. But don't. it's, it's just interesting to me because for me this looks like a stunning admission by Twitter that pictures of Joe Biden touching children Our violates child. the child exploitation policy. That's a that's a hell of a hell of an admission on their part, actually, <laughs> because it's just images of Joe Biden with kids. According right. to the Democrats, it's, those are perfectly normal interactions with children. And he's just a, you know, an old boomer. He he likes to hug. That's literally what people say about it. So Twitter takes a look at the, the its algorithm, I guess on some level, takes a look at these pictures and says, "Yeah, this dude's this dude's off." Yeah. This is child porn. <laughs> even the even the computer knows. The computer knows that like the emperor that. has no clothes. <laughs> but yeah, so so they uh, these guys when they tested it out, they got the option to remove the tweet in order to get their account back up and functioning. 
When they got it, they got it unlocked and it said, uh, thank you for addressing this issue. Your account is now available for use. Again, regardless of intent, posting, retweeting, or linking to content that violates our child sexual exploitation policy is strictly prohibited on Twitter. Are you about to show me some some like actual pedophiles trying to groom children on oh, no, here? Because no, no. there's a lot of that. No, no. That is that is no. I know that's that there, was and my I, point. I would never look for that. Yeah, that's my point. Is they don't actually remove that shit. That shit stays up. Is what isn't uh, Jeremiah Harding been removed multiple times for organizing to try and get those people removed from Twitter and been kicked off for that specifically? And he's it's, not the only person I've heard that happening to as well. Right, and so I mean, it's so this guy uh, Hawk Dolliday said, uh, even by Twitter's non-standards, it's shady as hell to leave the Bobert tweet up as bait to go after users who interact with it. Interesting. Yeah. It's, it's, but, but that's, that's what struck me about it. It wasn't that, oh, well, they finally admitted it. It was, it, it's this weird blind admission. Like, they're admitting it, but they're not. They're trying to protect him, but at the same time, they're calling him out for being creepy. It's amazing. Uh, in regards to Ryan's comment just now, isn't the, isn't the, uh, FBI, like the largest purveyor of child pornography on in the, yes. in the world, they because ran a website honey potting it as a honeypot, and it ended up being the largest like archive of child pornography on the internet that was accessible. And even after their operation had been concluded, they left the website up. Mm -hmm. So you know, way to go, guys! Thanks, thanks a lot for that. They really care. They really, they're making the world a better place every they day. Care. <laughs> but yeah, that that was something I thought was so interesting to see that because I don't even know how to take it because you know there's not going to be any further action against pedophile pedophilic stuff on Twitter. I mean, Twitter is one of those places that's used uh what's her name? Eliza Blue talks about how Twitter is very often used for grooming, mm -hmm. for sex trafficking, for all of these different activities. And it's this weird, bizarre, gray area where they decided that Joe Biden took some pedophile pictures and they've got to remove it, but they don't remove the tweet and they don't say it directly. But I, I don't even know how to take this. Like, where, where do you go from here? Where do you go from here? And then also, <laughs> it needs to be addressed that Twitter both has a policy where porn is allowed on their website and 13-year-olds are allowed on their website. So they have said, we will show 13-year-olds porn. This is Twitter's policy, their active policy. So yep. when, when I put up the announcement for Hotep Jesus coming on the show, I went in through a different Twitter account to, to retweet it, and I found that that tweet, which had, I mean, the video had the word motherfucker in it, but beyond that, there was nothing in it that was like a super offensive. Is that an offensive like, word? at all. What Which motherfucker? I love it. I love moms. I have for many many <laughs> decades now. So, but that's the that's the the closest thing I could think of that would have been offensive in the post. Yeah. But on that Twitter account, it had it hidden unless I went into the settings and checked a box that said that I can look at whatever information anything I want to. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if it's just Hotep Jesus's name, if it's I don't know what it was. But they, I, I, I decided let's let's find out. Let I'm going to leave this setting on, and I'm going to look for pornography. I'm going to see if they also protect children from pornography with this global setting on Twitter. They don't. No, they do not. Pornography went through, no problem. But that Hotep Jesus announcement. <laughs> that black man. 
Like he got to save the world from the black man, guys. <laughs> Anybody ever wants to go through the show, like they're just have a field day trying to cancel me. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm just I'm just giving them the quotes. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a good thing I'm not important enough for it. Yeah, if they're right. coming after me, they've we're all in a lot of trouble. <laughs> well, let me see. Here's the thing. This is the thing that should be scary to you and Cam and me. They can't just go after the big people because then it would just be, you know, waiting until somebody has people. They got to do it to the smaller people too. So they got to mix it up. You can't, you just got to, you know, occasionally take out a small one so people never get to that point. Right. What was it that they they popped me for last week? I got like 12 hour suspension, but I can't remember what it was. What did you say? Oh, you called somebody a gimp, I think. That's what it was. Some guy. Um, had tweeted something. Okay, so there was a video that Bill de Blasio had put out for New York City about how culture had to come back. Oh, God, the interpretive dance video. I love it. Right. And so he put out this video, and uh, someone, I think it was Tom Woods, had talked about how New York is a hellscape now or something along those lines. And this guy came in, and uh, he had... He had the new pronouns in bio, the mask and profile picture, and uh, he was he was saying, yeah, "Well, means. I'm in New York, and and the, the city was not been destroyed. It's not broken. It, there's nothing wrong with the city. We're just you know taking care of our own blah blah blah." And I had replied to him, "Maybe if you lower your gimp mask a little bit, you'll be able to see what's actually going on." And they popped me and told me they didn't give me an exact reason but apparently i uh it was it was one of two things it was either the word gimp because that's Mm -hmm. you know a slur on handicapped people um or it was sexual sexualization or something which i guess could be gimp as well well i mean it is a a sex term yeah well that's the thing that's why i don't know i don't know if it's the sex term or if it's the the handicap term but no matter what that dude hit report is all that I know. Nobody's used GIMP to describe handicapped people since like the 1800s, so that seems pretty far-fetched that it Look, would be that. They- Jess, you, you come from where I come from. You know that that list of words you can't say never gets shorter, only gets longer. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They're never giving up a single one. <laughs> that's why that's we just got to be one, more though. creative. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's what's so fascinating and hilarious and for many people terrifying and disheartening about like um 4chan where you do you remember the the what they did when uh google started cracking down on like the n-word and on different words and so 4chan was like okay so what we're going to do is instead of saying the n-word we'll say google instead of saying (laughs) um uh for jews instead of saying kike we'll say skype and they went through these different corporate names that they couldn't get scrubbed for, for and started using those like that. It, incredibly creative. Um, it's very funny. But it was, I think, I think maybe the funniest one and the most horrifying one. I love this. Was when put up someone put a, a, a lynching picture up and it said Google Hangouts. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh boy. <laughs> I, I didn't even think of that. That yeah, Gimp the. GNU yeah. manipulation program. It's what I use for our stuff. So. And I, I think someone would say, why do you need to say these words? Like, why is it so important for you to be able to say these horrible words? And it's not important to say those words. It's that you're telling people that they can't. 
And there's this just right. kind of spirit in people that when you tell them that they can't do something, they want to do it all the more. So really what you're doing is popularizing these slurs and these terrible words by making them forbidden. And, yeah. you know, if, if, if you let them die out, like die an ignominious death of, of boredom, then they would be gone already. But instead, you made them into these towering totems of evil. And people are like, you know, they're going to play with that because it's power because you freak out every time they do it. And, you know, it's fun. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> Defiance is an American trait. Yeah. Oh, really? It's deeply American. Is, is it really? Because, yeah. I mean, I'm looking out around me seeing all these masked people and I'm not seeing much defiance in my world. Right. I'm, I'm saying deeply held in the DNA, but that's been weeded out over the last hundred so years there's of progressivism. Like, so there's like the English Protestant America and then there's like the Irish, uh, you know, in the hills and the holler kind of America. And there's two di very different kinds of people and um, one of them has rebellion running through their blood and the other has obedience running through their blood. And those two Americas are at war right now, in my opinion. Hmm. So there, you know, you, you, there is, yes, it does, uh, rebellion runs through our blood in some cultures, but there are two cultures that are kind of like fighting for dominance. I, I hate to break it to you, Jess. You done lost. Oh. Yeah. Like, this is my, my, this is my argument to, to the right. They, they lost and they don't know it. Like all the things that are going to happen, they cannot stop at this point because they don't have any power. The left well, has you all mean, of it. Like the obedient people versus the rebellious people? And you think the obedient people have look, it? Is what you I'm, mean? I'm, look, I'm a bit of a conspiracy theorist here, you know. Um, <laughs> so the... Uh, I'm kind of retarded. <laughs> so I, I, I firmly believe that uh, there is a certain type of world that people have been working at making for a very long time. We'll say about yeah. 150 years. And yeah, it, they don't always get what they want, but over time, things tend to get in the direction. And one of the best victories they ever got was public schooling. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And guess what? Public schooling's been incredibly effective. I, I don't know that there's like actual possibility for real resistance at this point. Because the bottom well, line is, most of the people you know They'll turn you in in a heartbeat. Your only hope is to stay the fuck out of their way. Yeah, and that's that's You're my right. goal. I, that's why those people in the holler like it. It looks good every day. Want to move further out there? Yep. Because if if nothing else, like, e e e even like the Trumpy kind of people, which I have nothing in common with, well, at least they're they're predisposed to tell me to uh, you know stay out of their way. I'll take that. Yeah. I want to go up to Harlan County, spend some time with Boyd Crowder. <laughs> Isn't it great that the villain of that show is like the hero? I I really love that angle. Yeah. I have no idea what you're referring to, by the way. Oh, we're talking about have you Justified. Ever seen the show Justified. I never watched it. it sounds like it's something was so popular. Good. It's really it. I don't know that it was popular, but I really liked it. I, I patently avoid everything that's popular. I'm I carry my hipster streak very deep. I don't know how popular it was. It had some popularity, but it was never something. That was talked about. I saw a of lot like of a advertising that for I knew. it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It was a complete story arc, and that is something that is rare in uh, the media that they produce nowadays. I think uh, it's a high recommend on my list, and I defy anyone to tell me that it's not good. We'll fight. <laughs> Them's fighting words. 
But it's a cop show, Jessica. It's not. So I mean, it is, but it's not. <laughs> not to get too off the beaten path, but I haven't had a chance to say this anywhere, and it really bothers me. Say it. So me and my wife, we went looking for one of my favorite movies is from a childhood. I wanted to show it to my daughter. And you could find every single movie by this particular actor, except for one, the one that I wanted. Now, I can find the DVD for this movie for like $60 on Amazon, uh, but there's not a single streaming service that holds it. And I think it is an absolute crime to Mr. Varney to not have <laughs> Ernest Goes to Camp. Oh, wait, wait. Let me, let, me, let me check something real quick for you. The Halloween one. By the way, the I, I own it on DVD. My DVD player was just not working that particular day. It's like, I already own the movie. <laughs> oh. But I was curious why I couldn't fucking find this movie on anything. Not a single streaming site carries it. The Ernest stuff reminds me of my dad because we watched that stuff together. And Let's yeah, see, it has does, a special place in my heart. Does that seem odd that, that nobody would carry that movie? Well, that seems like the most popular one, the camp it one. It is. Yeah, if not the army one. But maybe the camp one but is what more you, popular. But what you've got to do is you've got to go to s- Salon and all of the leftist things and read up all of their all of their you know articles on it where apparently there was a lot of racism and sexism oh, no. and whole lots of evil things it, it does not age like you think it should oh. neither does friends. so that movie was <laughs> no, it so does not. Ernest goes to camp everyone was i guess is it me tooed or canceled what is, what is it you call that i guess canceled <sighs> well now I'll, I'll watch it in defiance you can't tell me what I can watch. I, I'm glad I have it on DVD before you know before it got wiped. Yeah. Never give up on hard copies, people. I do have a digital copy in my hard hard drive. <laughs> I just remember the turtles with the freaking you know the, the the parachutes and they're launching them and uh, and then the, all the weird Aww. food machines that the chef guy had like so much fun in that. Do you know what show I just watched through again? And I got to the end of it, and I was just as disappointed that it ended as I ever have been. My name is Earl. Oh, that's a wonderful program. I love that show. I, I was I was not a fan. Never really got into it. Uh, I do love Ethan Supley, though. And if you're if you're someone yeah. who wants to have hear some interesting takes on weight loss, I don't know if you've seen Ethan Supley lately. He's a beast. Yeah, he's a beast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, absolutely. And his show, American Glutton, uh, it has definitely been very inspiring to me to make some changes in my life. Uh, it's been weird um, kind of listening to him talk about things. And it's like, I, I, I've never articulated a lot of this to anybody, but like a lot of the problems with like food that are mm-hmm. the, the psychological, psychological shit you never do. Like, honestly, the his conversation with Will Sasso was just like beaming hearts directly into my chest. It was it was so big, so important. That's awesome. Do you know what I found out about Ethan Supley the other day that I never knew? He's friends with Michael Malice? He's a Scientologist. Oh, God, don't tell me that. Yeah. I uh what's his name? The guy who played Earl, um, Jason Lee, used to be a Scientologist. Like there were apparently it was apparently a pretty heavily Scientologist show. Well, Hollywood wow. in general is pretty heavily Scientologist. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, 
Well, what I liked about that show is that it was very human. And then it was stories about people who weren't wealthy or well-to-do or lived in upper-class neighborhoods. It was about poor people. It, it, it ran in a part that. of my life that I think I was surrounded by enough of those people. I didn't want any more reminders, perhaps. Oh, fair enough. And I guess, <laughs> and there's a certain degree to which I kind of always just chalked up the real, real hillbilly elements to like my brothers and their friends. Yeah. And that was that wasn't my people. You know, cause I I came up in like the degenerate punk scene of my area, I guess, and <laughs> you know, that's hence the name of the podcast, folks. So we are the degenerate freaks that go on to have kids. And, <laughs> you know, shameless plug there. <laughs> yeah. Like you listen to everyone's podcasts, and I find that awesome. Me with five kids and a job that requires my full brain all the time, I don't get to listen to shit. And so you sent me the um the text of the intro to your show, and I was like, are we a brother-sister program? We're always a brother-sister program. <laughs> it, it, the whole point I had is, like, I think that, you know, the, the degenerates, the weird people, the freaks, as you'd call them, you know, the weirdos, I think that they kind of get it in their head that they're always going to be marginalized people and stay marginalized people. They're never going to have the things that other people have. You know, you, you don't get to want more in life. You don't get to go after that. And I think that that's stupid, self-fulfilling prophecy shit if you let it be a part of your life. Yeah. I, I may not be a fully right. realized, you know, I may not re- have fully realized the life I want for myself, but I believe it's possible. And I've made great steps and had great progress yep. in getting to where I want to get to. And, you know, I, I want to bring people on, on that journey while we go and attack it. But I want other people to know that, like, look, you can do whatever you want in all of this. Maybe putting a little elbow grease and, you know, right th- right thought leads to right action kind of stuff and you get where you want to go. Yeah. yeah. Not trying certainly isn't going to get you there. I love that sentiment so much because I, you know, I came up in the trailer park, you know, I'm not going to uh, be ashamed of my heritage in that regard. And when I was starting to go to college, I had a lot of um, feelings of guilt. And there's a book that someone gave to me who also came up in the same situation that I did. It's called Who Do You Think You Are? Oh, that's and not the one I thought it was. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I was like, I thought um, for sure it's going to be Hillbillyology, right? No, no. I actually, <laughs> I, I've heard of that title, but have not read it yet. But it's been recommended to me multiple times. Um, but basically, it helps um, kids who come up, you know, from poverty kind of deal with the idea that you don't deserve to be where you are. And it's a different kind of imposter syndrome that, you know, people who um, don't come up from, from that environment might not experience. And so uh, I love that Nathan, sentiment. you listen to Nathan Frazier at all? No. Nathan Frazier is a marketer. Um, okay. And his, po- like his background is, I think he's like half Puerto Rican. Class, you know, he was a socialist at one point in time, like hardcore leftist SJW. And then basically he just realized how all the crap that they taught him and that like that lifestyle, all the bullshit he got when he was a poor kid, how much it was just forcing him to not accomplish the things he wanted to accomplish. It's like, this is just mental baggage holding me back. And I can't, I can achieve whatever the hell I want as long as I put in the work and try. The thing is, is like you said, when you, and you have that stuff up here, it, it keeps you from even trying. Uh, you know, yeah. I think people have an idea of what a type A personality is, and those are the only people that, you know, have the ability to do shit. And I hate to break it to you, history's full of a lot of people that aren't that, that have gotten exactly Yeah, this is true. But there's no, um, you know, there. let me think about how I want to say this. There's There are no classes to this information, and, and 
There are people who want to tell you that you come from a certain place, so you're not smart enough to understand what the higher people or the better people above you can understand, yep. and it needs to be disseminated to you. Are you and trying to circle bullshit. back? You circle right back yeah. to uh, to those black men that have been told that for generations. I'm so every every person <laughs> who is not a member of the elite who's been told that for the entirety of human history. Exactly. The gatekeepers have kept the you know these things behind me. It used to be the privy of only a privileged elite to have these things. And, you know, it, it, you used to be, ex they executed people for owning a Bible in their own language. And while and I'm not a big fan of the church, I'm glad that they did what they've done to kind of democratize yeah. books. Glad they right. kept them around. Well, and, and, and that's one of those things, like I mentioned earlier, is even, even though I, I didn't grow up in the trailer park, I grew up on the very low end of middle class and sometimes below that. But even being from Alabama, like, do you know what the internet says about my people? <laughs> yeah. Like we, we get shit on almost as much as Mississippi. Like it's, it's one of those things. And it, I, I try not when I see it to like just rage at it or to respond at all. Cause I don't want to respond. I don't want to give them that. So I'm not, but it's like I'm not, fucking. I'm not gonna lie. I dated a girl in high school, uh, briefly. That uh, she's from Arkansas, and like, See, and, and all of her, well, and all of her and her family were Mensa members. And I, it always struck me as odd. I'm like, I didn't know people from Arkansas could be in Mensa. <laughs> There's something about that. Are do, are you guys familiar with Shelby Lee Adams, the photographer? I'm not. No. So Shelby Lee Adams um, was active in the you know, latter part of the 1900s. And he photographed people in Appalachia, people who lived up in the holler, up in the mountains, Kentucky, where I come from. Um, yeah, so um, his, but a lot of people are very, uh, they don't like his photography because they think it paints the South in a certain way. And although, you know, the, ca the camera is raw and the camera doesn't lie and this was the condition of certain people, it only shows the poverty to... People who don't understand that this also like is family and togetherness and making yeah. do. And there are a lot of qualities that come from living in poverty that, you know, I, I, I don't want to speak for people who come up in wealth and say that they don't have these things. But I know that coming up in poverty, it's required for survival to have them. And so you have that community and you have that need to do for each other and do for others. And so, um, yeah, Shelby Lee Adams photography is actually very beautiful to me. Because even though it yeah. shows what many people would look at as poverty, I grew up like that. And to me, it reminds me of home. It reminds me of comfort. It yeah. reminds me of my grandmother's food, you know, and things like that. So, you know, we were taught to revile that culture when it's actually something to be rather proud of. It sounds like some Karen shit. <laughs> like they're trying to put their baggage about pictures on you. Picture means what the hell it means to me. Yeah, it's, you know, but I can understand that critic because it's people who come from Appalachia are making those criticisms. The peop Some of the people in the in the photography themselves. Appalachia's got its Karens too, everybody. Yeah, for sure. Um, to say we don't like to be depicted this way. But you don't like to be depicted this way because you've been taught to feel shame for being seen this way. And there's no shame in being poor. You know, that it's, right. it's a mentality of- no shame of, in being Southern. Uh, no, there's no sh shame in living a simple life. There's no shame in, you know, working hard and having a family. And all of these things are kind of like the, the pe I, you know, I hate to keep pointing at elites, but it's just kind of an easy go-to term. And the elites 
want these things to be considered shameful. So I don't look, yeah, again, I don't look at these photographs with shame. I look at them like, hey, this is my people. This is my culture. And I'm not ashamed of them. Well, and so, here, let me really rock your world here. So what you say the elites want you to think that, could it just be that the elites have a different circle that they're that they're dealing with and they see things a very specific way because of where they are and the people they're around. The bottom line is the people you give a shit about are the people around you. And those elites probably care yeah. about the people that are around them, their family, mm-hmm. their friends, which by the way, all those people are probably going to tend to be more like them. So inherently mm-hmm. they're going to otherize you. And it's going to yeah. happen cascading down. One thing that I always find difficult to deal with is especially like you get in like the conspiracy circles. People really want there to be a, a cabal of people that's just marching, barking down orders on high and, you know, machinations are making the world do things. And I think they want that because that seems a hell of a lot less scary than people are just people and people are going to mm-hmm. do people things. And sometimes people things when you have misguided ideas are really, really not good. And... I think thinking about people as anything other than people kind of makes things a little bit more complicated. But it is beautiful to think maybe there's just well, this one group of people up there that we can attack and then we can fix everything. When the bottom line is, yeah. no, you've just, you kind of have to fix everybody. And that's daunting and sounds almost impossible to do, but it's the only actual way to fix things. One, right. group, one group of people in that situation has all of the political power and the uh, control of the military and the control of the police. Oh, I agree. Things of that nature. So that, you know, when you, when, when I, like I said, it's kind of a catch-all term and you're right to point that out. Like getting rid and, of the elites won't necessarily fix well, that. So, so here's an idea. Bill Gates. Bill Gates, Bill Gates is a supervillain. Mm-hmm. No one should kill him. Presumably, <laughs> presumably he, I'll take him in his word. He believes what he believes and thinks that what he wants is right for the world. Perhaps he has outsized wealth and an ability to affect that change. But I don't need to believe he's an evil person to think that he has shitty ideas and too much money. And I think too many people want it to just be Batman and Superman and we're fighting the evil guys when really it's just people are people doing people's shit and some people have really bad ideas. Well, I think that there is a a line between those who are evil and are conniving and are trying to do a specific thing and those who have bad ideas. But the evil, I think, in Bill Gates, in some of these elites, in the cathedral and all of that stems from this idea that they should be able to push this on everyone. Mm-hmm. So whether or not they think it's a good idea is immaterial to the fact that they feel like they should be able to push it on everyone. I think the value is if you understand, is an understanding motivations. And if you try to attack the motivations of somebody without truly understanding why it is they, they're doing what they're doing, you're going to tend to miss what you want. You're not going to get what you want. Right. So like you said, if you believe every, there's a, a, one cabal of people and they control everything and that's what you're going after, you're never ever going to find the solution because you're never going to find that people. Even if they did exist, you're not ever going to have access to them. So yeah, well, it, it's, it's going to lead nowhere, whereas trying to affect people and change you know, in the long run, you have more of a chance of that. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's one of those things that, you know, you, when you had said that they, the, those 
in that position have there's no beating them. I think that that is another one of those things we like. I I, I don't disagree with the concept, but I do think that that is another aspect of training that we can't overcome them and overcoming them i think does amount to doing your own thing choosing to be free living the life you want and leading other people by example into doing the well same and, thing. and maybe i misspoke I, I thought i said and it's possible that maybe there's nothing you can do about it i i, I hate absolutes I, the, the world is yeah. full of like uh, you know if you listen to richard grove one of the things i like about him is it's like he doesn't talk about things as if it's all set in stone guess what they don't always get what they want People right. have a way of doing people things and messing up the machinations. Now, you look at what the technocrats have wanted forever. It hasn't changed. Uh, it's taken them a long-ass time to get there, brother, though. And, tech- and yeah. technology's made it way easier for them. It's escalated that time scale. But that's also the same thing that's given us the tools that we can utilize to opt out. Yeah, to print, that to print 80% lowers. <laughs> <laughs> and then mill them out if we so choose. <laughs> or you know to not deal with the banking system that they right. inflate our, our, our value away on us so right it was it, that was so lovely to see the hedge fund managers flail at the uh, game GameStop stock push and all of these other things it's it whether or not you love the stock stock market and think that Wall Street is the epitome of a free market economics it's not but regardless of that, seeing these people who thought that they could short and gamble against people losing mm. start to lose, mm, give me some more of that. <laughs> you know, it's the, the worst thing is, is it, somebody said it. I don't know who it was, and I'd never thought about it, but they, they pointed out that when did all of the intersectional stuff start really coming out? Well, hmm. Having heavily participated in a lot of disseminating that around Facebook personally, my perception of it began in like 2010, 2011. What was going on then? The Occupy movement. I mean, it's true. A true, yeah. giant grassroots movement against the 1%. Mm-hmm. And what would all 1% want? And what would be better for them and their interests? Other than breaking that shit up as quickly as possible. <laughs> and I'm not going to yeah. say that... It was planned, but if you had planned it, you probably couldn't have come up with a better way to do that. Yeah. I mean, their first big move was obviously, you know, co-opting the Tea Party and separating the Tea Party from the Occupy movement because, God forbid, those two people ever realized they were on the same team and all bets were off. Right. That's why I was so heartened when I saw Jimmy Dore and Dave Smith talking to one another because those are not two people you think ordinarily would come together to have a conversation the way that they did. And I said, this is dangerous to the right people. This is dangerous. Well, and I always say Jimmy Dore is me in college. Like the, the, the way that I thought in college, <laughs> that's it. And then I learned yeah. economics and I still have the same value system. It's just the approach that I would take in getting it is very different because I don't see any yeah. good coming out of the approach that like the Jimmy Dore's little did. But if they will help me get further in the direction I want, and then you know they can go and implement their bad ideas, and I can implement my, my ideas, and we can do that amongst ourselves later on, then all the best to them. I, I want to do one of Joe Biden's. Um, what's what? What is it? The uh, White House press secretary thing. I want to circle back. <laughs> nice gaffes. They're called gaffes. 
Uh, y'all were talking about how um, there is a certain shame that's set into people of color, of people in specific uh, classes, mm-hmm. people in, uh, the like I mentioned, the South. And there's this sadness that I've had recently um, because I've been watching Justified and I've been watching the people in the hollers. All the accents aren't great, but in bet- it was in between a choice to sound the way that I do and talk the way that I do and not just being kind of natural the way I talk. But I, for a long period of time, did not want to sound like I was, a, I was from the South. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to sound Southern. I wanted people to take me seriously because everything in media told me that if you have a Southern draw, you're not taken seriously. Actually, that's not everything in media. That's actually a psychological thing. Right. It, it happens across the world. Trained, people though. just um, it's for the same reason you think people with an English accent are smarter than they are right off the bat. Well, I think that I think they sound stupid as fuck, but I'm I'm special. Well, how good are you with that accent, Steve? I mean, you know that uh, <laughs> that Tam and um, what's, what's my dude's name over there? Uh, the Scottish Liberty podcast. I don't know. Oh, he's gonna kill me. I'm never, don't ever let him listen to this. <laughs> uh, don't worry. I'll him I, I can I can remember his book. His book was UBI for and against. I don't know, man. Okay, this is gonna <laughs> kill me. Uh, wait, wait, wait. Are you talking about Anthony? Yes, Sarah? Anthony. God, dude, I'm like, can't remember shit these days. It's all the it's all the chemicals. Um, yeah. If you, if you notice that Anthony and uh, Tam both speak Scottish, but sound nothing alike. I love that. That's the that's the case in England too. Um, I actually uh, try to identify the different Southern accents. Not a people. Not a lot of people realize there's a huge difference between like Georgia, Alabama, a- Tennessee, Virginia. I watched yeah. a video where a kid did like twenty different British accents, and I'd never considered there are that many British accents. There, there are, are that yeah. many British accents, and they are very distinct once you actually hear them. When I lived in England, I lived in one area for a while, and whenever I would venture like any more than like 10 or so miles outside of that little area, I didn't understand people anymore. They were all speaking English. I just did not understand them. And yeah, that's very regional. And those those regional accents are old, and they've been there for a long time. Mm-hmm. What I was saying, though, is right now, watching that show, watching other things where there are Southern people, there's a sadness in me that I don't have that. Mm. that I don't, you know, have that, you know, because it, it's, it's, it's my tribe. Are you sure you it's, don't have it? It's, there's not like an amount of alcohol I can get into you and then it comes back? Well, here's the deal. I, as far as I know, no. Let's start playing with drinks, I don't, folks. I don't change. Well, I've, I've had <laughs> do, you, do, you have a, do you have an alcohol fund? I have a lot like, of alcohol. Like a whiskey fund? I mean, I've been, I've been drinking Buffalo Trace this whole time, but. It's called his job. <laughs> Folks, you need to reach deep in your pockets and wherever Cam says to send him money, send him money because I want to know how much liquor it takes for a southern accent to come out of that man. And I don't care if that's all the liquor in the world. Let's make sure he gets it. <laughs> uh, there, there, there are certain words that I, I have that I know are southern the way I say them, like, like fur. Like I have to think about saying for instead of fur. That's like one of the only mm. things that I can think of off the top of my head. But there is this little bit of sadness that I missed out on that part of my identity, that I don't have that, that no one could ever guess. That's what I've been told, not what I'm saying. 
but no one could ever guess that I'm from Alabama. Well, I'm glad that I can't guess that you're from Alabama. It makes you a more unique yeah. person. But you need to get rid of that regret bullshit, man. There's nothing worth. There's nothing worth regretting. It's 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 not regret. I don't. And that's one of. Are you that's imagining one like of my the alternate keys. universe where you, where that was different? Is that all it is? Well, yeah, it's it's just like sometimes I wish that I had that. Well, start it's working not that on I regret it. it. You, can, you can learn it, but Hollywood actors learn accents all the time. You don't want to pull a Madonna, dude. Do not take that advice. Oh, don't, why are we talking about Madonna, Miss? Did you see her her, her recent like thing she went on? She's, no, I haven't. So, so Madonna is actually in the headlines right now. If you didn't know, because the I try so hard is, not oh, yeah. to pay the attention to Madonna. Is holding her down right now. I don't know how. Madonna. Who's holding Madonna down? I the patriarchy. That's all I know. <laughs> Madonna has more money than God. No one is holding Madonna down. <laughs> like, yeah, it's that's uh, nonsense. I I heard it. It was just like the patriarchy gave her all of all of the money that she I, has. Well, no, that was all those kids <laughs> like, she sucked willingly. That's what I'm saying. It was the patriarchy. <laughs> Thirty-seven dicks. Um. Well, so <laughs> for, for people who don't know, I, I host my podcast with my wife, Liz. I looked at Liz tonight, and I can't remember specifically what the thing I saw was. I saw something, and I just looked at it. I'm like, Liz, I know it's a joke and a meme that we live in clown world. Right. We legit live in clown world. Like It's, yeah. it's not even yeah. funny. It's scary. I hope to Christ that this is a simulation because it is, no. it is, it is the only thing that makes any of this make sense anymore. People keep saying it's getting weird, and I'm like, it's not getting weird. It's weird, and it's been weird for a long time. You know, like yeah. we we need to stop pretending like we're we're just moving into this. We're not at the beginning of anything. We're ankle deep, or knee deep, or neck deep. We're in it. We're in the dystopia, folks. I think it's because I think it's because it moves so fast. Like, everything moves so fast now. And and that was one thing. Like I was on a a, a call with the uh, School Sucks community on Sunday. So we do it every every week. And um, one of the things that came up, you know, Brett mentioned, he's like, look, you know, we're not going anywhere. We're there. Like, dystopia is here. It's been here. And, and he's, like, I, I'm, he's like, I'm sitting in front of a, a Google building in the city he was in. And he's like, right behind me, there's a Trader Joe's. And there is an ever-expanding line of people in masks waiting to get into that Trader Joe's. Like, I don't know what anyone's waiting for as far as dystopia goes. This is it. Well, yeah. And, well, that, was, that has been one of my points in the last year. It's, we're, we're getting close on a year of this bullshit. But it's like, I have had some not truly like depressed times, but I've had these little depressive episodes when I've gone out. Luckily, I've, I live in Florida, so it's not as bad as other places. But I've had these moments where I've seen all these masks and in my brain, I just see a dystopia. I see those things mentioned in, yeah. in young adult novels for years now. And it that's what brings me down is knowing that this many people prefer security over freedom. freedom. Well, you know what cures it's, depression, it Cam? Whiskey. Doing shit. <laughs> Going out and doing shit. Leaves you very little time it's to ponder how too. shitty stuff can be. Also creating. That has been my outlet. Like, I don't know if you've noticed, but I changed the, We Jessica and I changed the name of the podcast. I've been doing, like, so much video stuff and animation and different things. And that has taken my mind off of so much of this. Like, I won't listen to co coronavirus shit. 
I don't need to hear about this detail, that detail, this, that, that, that. I know what has been done. I know what is being done. I know what I know the weapon they're using and how they're using it. I don't need to sit in the the dirty details and be depressed by it. Mm-hmm. I just need to fight it. I think even fighting it's not the best idea because what's done is done. What you need to do is you need to go start stocking up on meat. We have about six yeah. weeks worth right now. <laughs> I need to buy a, a freezer. Um, you start yeah. growing shit. Start yep. find some place where you can just hopefully stay off the radar because that's your only hope. Right. Mm-hmm. That that's it. I do yeah. point out that when Rome fell, it's not like everyone in the world died. People had to go on. Well, and that's the thing, you know, guess what? At one point, uh, England was the uh, the country that owned the world. They're still here. England still exists. It's just different. Well, I, one of the things that, that you mentioned is actually um, one of my pet peeves is, you know, like the the thing that young people, young stupid people say, all the time, which is, you know, no regrets, live with no regrets. And I think, I, I don't know why I want to get on my soapbox about this, but I think that the concept Step of no regrets is heavily, heavily misunderstood by our generation because people will be like, oh, you know, I have no regrets. That's not the point of the statement. The point is live your life in such a way that you have no regrets, not in oh, well, I can't regret things. I'm not allowed to regret doing something well, stupid that fucked me up and others. And here's where the pushback comes, my friend. Uh, honestly, I made the decision I made. Dwelling on it oh, does nothing for me, does nothing for anybody else. So the best right, I can do is own it, incorporate it. it into my person. Maybe I'll make it different the next time. But I'm not going to give it any thought. <laughs> I agree with that. But what I'm saying, though, is there is a a line of people, especially millennials, I'm sure it's gone to the Zoomers as well, but there's this idea that you can't look back and go, well, I shouldn't have done that. Yes, there are a lot of things that you shouldn't have done that led you to be the person that you are, and that's good, but it's okay to go, I do have some things I wish I had I guess the done. thing is, mm-hmm. that's you, human growth. You can't let that use, I guess the, 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 the better way of saying it is, don't let your regrets control you. Right. But that's a more complicated thing to say and it's not a good meme. Right. And then <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I I push against that new because I I push back against that with nuance. Yes, there's not anything that in your life that you should say, "Hey, this is some like there are plenty of things in my life I wish I hadn't gone through. There are plenty of decisions I made that I thought were stupid as fuck and wish I hadn't done. But I did. I learned from them and I've used that learning time that, that that learning moment to change my life. But you have to start by going, oh, well, yeah, that was kind of stupid. If you don't start with that, you're just going to continue making stupid mistakes your whole life. So Ryan just commented in the chat, you know, ragrats. And I kind of want to get a no ragrats tattoo. And, but, but, but I also want to get like LED lights subdermally put in around it to like really show it off. Oh, please do that. I bet I bet the wife would really love it too. It's really gonna. And I I think my I have enough dumb tattoos, it, and I don't think that's the one that's gonna finish it <laughs> off. I I think that my frustration with it isn't in the concept as properly defined. It's in the concept that's used to excuse bad action mm. and bad behavior, bad 
uh, bad actors working against people who don't deserve it. I think a lot of people like to say they don't regret things and it, they put up a big front about how I, I don't right. regret any of the bad things I've done. But you do in the dark Bullshit. of the night when you have to think your thoughts to yourself. And that's why so many people are on drugs or drinking and doing whatever they need to do to quiet the mind because you do. Whether you want to or not, you're going to think about the shitty things you did. And I mean, I'm going to push back and say, not really. <laughs> I never think about anything I do. Well, no, it's not that I don't think about it. It's just you think and you go, right. okay, there. And that's part of me and I own right. it. And right. Why do I need to think about it again? Uh, and part right. of this is one of the things that like Liz is very different than me. Like Liz is someone who will sit there and think about every possibility and then belabor the one that she made for the next six months. Like, yep. should I have yeah, made a different one? And very I, relatable. I perhaps just a long time ago made the decision that you can't live life that way and I'm not going to. So I'll make the decision. If I look at the aftermath and go, oh, that's probably not the best decision. I'll make a different one next time. That's the extent to which it exists yeah. in my life. Well, and, that, and that's what I'm saying. That is the preferred method. The preferred method is to have that moment of regret and then choose to change. Mm -hmm. Because there are a lot of people out there who use that short meme mm -hmm. to say something that it's not, not intended, I don't think, by the originator. And it's also not a healthy thought. So what are your thoughts on YOLO? Oh, I mean, I only live once, buddy. <laughs> I'm gonna do as much blow and have my dick sucked as much. Uh, did you, as did you like the Lonely, Island, just... the Lonely Island video that they made about it? <laughs> I didn't see it's it. It's been a minute, man. Uh, it, it's it's a genuinely funny video because they they made it. It had what's his name from uh, uh, Maroon Five. Mm. For those who don't know, go and look up the band Kara's Flowers, as in the girl's name Kara. Uh, it is Maroon Five before they were Maroon Five and back when they were actually a good band. Um, but it is so the whole the the, the, the sniper well, from the bell tower. So lonely, lonely islands uh, approach to YOLO was you only live once, so you have to protect yourself from literally anything you could come across. And so, like they're <laughs> they're putting themselves in like iron suits to walk down the street because a piano could fall on you. Never never take a <laughs> bath because there might be piranhas in the water. <laughs> like. They, they they took it to mean the exact opposite of what it's supposed to mean. They only live once to do stupid shit. Well, they're like, well, I only live once. Let's take care of myself. I, it's meant to be seize the day, but yeah. got ruined. Yeah. <laughs> or in Cam's case, season the day. <laughs> season that bitch. Throw some brown sugar on that shit. Um, can we talk for a second about, about ska and punk? Because punk is fucking dead. And I have receipts, and I want you to try to okay. change my mind. I'm not going to try and change your mind, because the, the bottom line is that it is. Uh, whatever punk was, I, it certainly isn't that today. Um, I've, I, when we started out Peace Freaks, it was actually called Sounds Like Liberty. And the whole idea with it back then was it was a libertarian music podcast. We talk about music from a libertarian perspective. And, and to me, it always struck me that punk should basically just be ANCAPism. Because the whole point yeah. of the movie was the DIY, do-it-yourself, make-your-own-markets, and naturally anti-authoritarian you know, music and ideology. And it always struck me as odd that all of the bands that I looked up to growing up to all became like crazy Democrats, just yeah. suckling on the teat of the man as hard as you could possibly suckle on the teat of the man. Jello Biafra shilling for Hillary Clinton is the most insane thing I've ever seen in my entire life. So, have you seen Rage Against the Machine? Well, 
I understand that, you know, he's always been a communist, so. So cute. And I would never have classified anything they did as punk. <laughs> they kind of it's just, took funk and did something so, with it. Th- that informed so much of like why I think the way I do it came out in those formative teen years. And mm-hmm. then to hear them turn like that, it's just, it's so heartbreaking. Well, but the thing is, they didn't turn. Uh, he was always a socialist. And if you listen to what he wanted to tell you, you know, it was always the same. Uh, now, I don't want to get into any of like, you know, what his father does or anything like that. I don't know that. Interesting. I'm not saying that. In, I'm not saying that with any musician, with any musician, you should definitely look, definitely look at who their parents were. Uh, I was actually led down a great path uh, by um, uh, Monica Perez in regards to the Doors. Wonderful woman. Uh, do you know who Jim Morrison's dad was? No. I don't. But she mentioned this on the show. It is a point. wonderful rabbit CIA? hole to go on. Oh, no, far worse. That would have been, that would have been a little less involved in things. And we're talking someone deep into the thick of bad decisions. I mean, there are some people that think Jim Morrison himself was a plant within the, uh, the you know, Hyde-Ashbury scene to kind of mm. dismantle the whole thing and maybe convince people to take psychedelic drugs. Not to rabbit trail too much, but <laughs> I do think that Charles Manson was a CIA. Was, it had something to do with the CIA. What I'm going to say is, you should go and do some research on, on Jim Morrison's father. <laughs> I will. And then you can, you can tell me what you think about a lot of the stuff that was going on back then. Oh, he, oh. Yeah, he's some big time um, Navy rear admiral. Uh, there's a specific event. Ooh, in... the, yeah, I see it. Yes. I should I spoil? You can do whatever you want. I'm just saying, he's... if you follow the rabbit trails of the parents of famous musicians, it leads very interesting places. That is interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Monica, Monica was the one who told me that if you actually go and look at pictures, like a year before Jim was, uh, you know, kind of involved in the doors, he had this weird crew cut. Kind of weird to change like that. <laughs> but one of the reasons that I mention punk is because for years, years I've said that punk is dead and I've gotten pushback from people. Look, I'm a ska kid, so like... You know, those punk guys, we were around and stuff, and we kind of used the scene to get, like, the music out there. But, you know, it's, it is what it is. It's all fashion. But <laughs> w- the thing that made me honestly just a little bit angry was I was scrolling through uh, TikTok. Because I'm hip, I have to say that every, every time I say that I was scrolling TikTok, just so you know. I mean, you said time. TikTok, I assume you're a boomer. <laughs> <laughs> Baby. I'm a millennial. I'm chasing. I'm chasing the wind of the Zoomers, um, but I was scrolling through TikTok and there was this little Zoomer chick. How many fish shows have like, you been to? Zero. You're not a millennial, bro. <laughs> I'm not a millennial because I didn't go to a fish show. I, I think that it matters. But no, there was this TikTok that I came across, and it was this little uh, Generation Z clunge who was saying that um, punk is not dead. I have studied punk academically at my university, and, and I was just like, the the, the surest <laughs> sign that something is, is dead. dead. <laughs> uh, well, what's funny, so while we, we're sitting here talking about the punks that, like my, my initial branding for Peace Freaks was actually punk's not dead, it's homeschooling. Because <laughs> I, think, cause I think the most punk rock thing you can do is take your kids out of the system and make them not a part of it. Like, you want to be really punk? Right. 
Take that work upon yourself. Fix the next generation. Wow. So is building like a chicken coop, is that punk now? Uh, well, have you never heard of Punk Rock Homesteaders? No. Uh, they, I don't know if they're still around. They were a great website for a long time. Like, okay. They were a thing 10 years ago. And the whole idea was, yeah, get the fuck out of this system. Now, they tend yeah. to be probably a little bit more left-leaning than I would in like the current contrivance of that. But if they're convincing people to get the hell out in a farm and make your own stuff. Now, personally, I wouldn't, I'm not thinking chickens. I'm thinking rabbits. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if the, the little one is still around me. She has this wonderful hatred of rabbits. Like, and I don't understand why. You think little girl would love rabbits. They're cuddly, fluffy. You want to touch? The teeth I, are scary. I asked Irma today, and I'm like, Irma, so out of curiosity, I mean, we're talking about growing rabbits to eat, but I almost yeah. get the impression yeah. you would actually rather we just set them all on fire, and she's like, yeah, can we do that? So I don't know where this hatred of rabbits comes from, but it is interesting. It's entertaining, if nothing else. Maybe, maybe she watched Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, and it made a real impact on well, her. Well, you know what? I can't speak to that. I like that movie, but Bill and Ted Three did make me want to burn the entire world down. So there's that. Can we talk about Bill and Ted Three? Uh, how much how much vitriol can this show take? I I can't describe how disappointed I was in that bullshit. Like I, I thought, I don't know what I thought. I didn't think they could, they could do it right. I knew they could do it right. All it has to be is an endless string of endless string of callbacks. That's all it has to be. But they, it, it was. Instead, it was a giant thing that we stuffed as much intersectionality into as we could possibly come up with. Oh no! It was, it was such a bummer, and it made me think of um, the whole movie. Like, no, they're trying to kill them. The whole movie, Jess. That sucks. Like the, the entire They're movie is the robots trying to kill them because they don't think the men can fix it, basically. <laughs> it sucked. Everyone in the council Aww. is a woman. Everyone that's left in the council was a woman. Uh, the whole movie is actually about them, I guess, is about their daughters saving them. Uh, oh, I see. So it's like stupid man, smart woman. Uh, but, by trope, the, no, but, but the, basically, this is, this is the key, though. The key to this is that. They didn't give the girls their own personalities in true leftist fashion. Right. They let them be clones of the dads. Their dads. Oh, they didn't no. have their own personalities. They were just them, smaller and female. Right. I think that's what I hated about the Ghostbusters thing. Was like women can have their well, own that stories. Just wasn't we don't. Funny. We don't. We don't need to take a story that belonged to men and shoehorn women into it. We can just give women their own story. Like the the bridesmaids movies were. Funny as shit. Women can be funny in their own setting. I, like, I agree. You don't need to that was a funny movie. take the men's stuff. Here is the 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 contrarian view. Here's the pushback, as Nick would say. I didn't care for bri- bridesmaids, and that's oh, no. because I I could tell the whole time I was watching it that there wasn't a fucking script. And then uh. you go and you see the DVD, and it says over two hours of deleted scenes, and you go. Yeah, there wasn't a fucking script. As a fan of Christopher Guest movies, I tend to like movies without scripts. Some of A Mighty Wind may be the greatest movie ever made. So, And Curb Your Enthusiasm is like that too. I don't mind if it's done well, but personally, I got to the end of it and I was like, eh, I didn't love it. Um, but no, back to, back to Bill and Ted for a second. Oh, I still had more myself. That movie single-handedly made me not watch the um the reboot of um Jay and Silent Bob. Mm. 
because I was like, oh, so they're just going to make it daughters again and they're going to fuck up the whole thing. They're going to take away all of Jane that. Jane Silent Bob did suck, but it was better than better than Bill and Ted 3. And that's the thing. Like, that's been kind of one of my frustrations. It's not that, like, I want all of my superheroes to be white or that I want Bill and Ted to be exactly what it was in the 1980s, 1990s. I think that they lost what Bill and Ted was. I think that they completely, like they did with Star Wars, destroyed, like Star Wars, especially the last couple of movies, destroyed Return of the Jedi. It it destroyed everything that happened in the 1970s, early 80s with Star Wars. I know you haven't watched it, Nick. But oh no, I've watched what they did. I have watched the new ones, but I know enough about. Did you what feel they that did. way about Rogue One? Rogue One. Okay, so here's. Let's talk about Rogue One. Rogue One. Let's talk about awesome. Han Solo. Oh wait, no, no, no. Okay, All right, we're gonna change the base of this. I have to get out what I have to say. So, the final crime on Bill and Bill and Ted. Before we leave this, Bill and Ted, <laughs> the final song. It is just the, the the whole point is the girls have been going around collecting musicians from throughout history, and now they've got all these famous musicians. Now they're going to just make this music, but it's going to be cool and modern and electronic. And then they did like a four chord, boring, nothing happens, <laughs> like just one, you know, a couple passes through this thing, and it's supposed to change and save fucking humanity. It was so awful. The music sucked so fucking hard. When all they had to do, like they, they brought Kid Cudi in for this scene. All they had to do was do a, have bring Kiss in, bring the fucking dinosaurs in, and they do God Gave Rock and Roll to You 3, the new one. They re-record the song, do it live, bring Kid Cudi and give him a verse. And like do something that pulls at the heartstrings of the people that cared about the franchise at the beginning and then hands it off to the next generation. The girls could have come in and done a kicking guitar solo. Who knows? Make them be rock stars all you want. The point is... You, you shit on all the expectations that people had, and then you didn't even give them anything good. Like, there was no, like, epic song that I was going to sing to myself at the end of it. Like, I didn't walk away feeling like, oh, my God, that song, dude, it's catchy. Life is great because that song exists, which undermines the entire point of everything that happened in the second movie. Hmm. Well, and, and I <sighs> agree with that. Also, it invalidated the first two movies in general because it essentially says that the first two movies didn't matter. It was actually about their daughters. Yes. So why the fuck did the first two movies happen? Why did they go back to Moreover, Bill and Ted? why the fuck were Bill and Ted in this, the third movie? You could have just made a movie about the daughters. Right. Like, But I mean... I, I continue to go back because it's so indicative of what the modern left thinks. It's about the idea, not the story. Yeah. The bottom line is you can't, you can't make me care about generic carbon copies i have to care about a a person so they completely undid any value to like the the female empowerment thing they were trying to do i i I harp on it to death the reason season one of jessica jones is amazing and season two sucks is because in season one they just let jessica jones kick ass in season two i got a lecture about it every episode Mm -hmm. like why i was evil because of my dick i didn't need a lecture right you know one of my favorite movies in the 90s is tank girl Lori Petty kicked fucking ass the entire ah. movie, and I believe Lori Petty can kick ass in real life because of that movie. Yeah. They didn't have to tell me and give me a lecture about it. I believe women can kick ass. And that's what frustrated me about Star Wars, Bill and Ted, because it invalidated the last set of movies, mm-hmm. period. 
And that's why, like, recently they let out who's going to be the new Supergirl. And it's a Latina chick. Do I care that she's Latina? It's really bad. No. But the point of my kind of like, what are they doing? It's kind of like when they made the Fantastic Four with Josh Trank, where they were like, okay, well, let's make a character black. And they chose Johnny Storm. It's like, can Johnny Storm be black? Sure. Doesn't matter to me whatsoever. But the point is, they could have made Reed Richards black, the incredibly smart one, and have no extra backstory. But they chose the guy whose sister is a blonde woman and chose to make her white and then add this extra backstory as to why she lives in a black household mm-hmm. when they could have just chosen, hey, let's choose the, the, this strong character who's very smart and make him black. It's always that thing. It's like... With Supergirl, I don't care if she's if she's Mexican or Colombian or whatever, but at the end of the day, I feel like it's a slight on Mexicans or Colombians or people of different ethnicities who could very well walk into their own movies who are written for those specific parts, for those specific histories, for those specific, I, I mean, I wouldn't say ideologies necessarily, but you know what I'm getting at. Like, you could make someone strong who, like, I don't know how the Miss Marvel is going to go, but Kamala Khan is a completely new character. Go with that. Make a new character. Give them their own strength. Draw out of their history. Why go, okay, well, Superman's going to be black now. Why do that? And meanwhile, they can't give me a fucking Lobo movie. (laughs) All I want is my space bikers from hell, and they won't give it to me. Um, if I could circle back real quick to the thing about the the women's empowerment <laughs> that they sort of are shoehorning into movies, the, the contention with that is that women have no representation, and they're never shown as strong, and so we have to like do this on Ellen purpose. Ripley. <clears throat> there are so yeah, there's many so many examples, examples of it, of it. Like, and, like, you know, I. It's the biggest it gaslighting is. operation in the world. Let's, let's push to black. Blade, Wesley Snipes, like it's everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. You had you you every all of this contention about characters that had no representation. And I look at all of these old movies back from like the eighties, the nineties. I mean, we're talking within my lifetime here. Well, but Jessica, they also try and tell us that like racism is a huge problem. When I frankly know very few people from my generation right. that have an ounce of it. We were taught to be colorblind. And now, you know, right. the the big con on us is, oh, you're all in your 30s. Now, guess what? No, that's how it works. Y'all yeah. have to focus on race and every fucking thing you do. I don't want to. Do. I'm like, well, I spent most of my life trying not to give a shit about it. And, and I said this about the Charlottesville thing, that that thing was every white supremacist that could afford a bus ticket. That was <laughs> all of them. There are no other <laughs> ones besides who was there. That's it. There are 33 members of the KKK and 12 of them are feds. And most of them are in prison now. And most of them are in prison now. So it's like, you know, this very, it's the worst, it's a pariah state. It's the worst thing you can be in our culture. So when somebody calls you that, they're expecting you to jump over backwards through flaming hoops to say, no, 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 well, I'm even, not. Even worse, they made the word completely meaningless at this point. Absolutely. Because if everybody's a racist, then nobody's a racist because we're all racist. Is I, I never bother with knives out, just so we're clear. Talking to the, the I like talking to the comments, I'm sorry. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not used to being able to do it, so I'm in a position where I'm like, oh my God, let's talk to these people. <laughs> well, 
we do invite them here to talk to them. If you want to see, if you want to see good media that shits on socialism, by the way, folks, you got to watch. Uh, I know I've said this before, but I got to say it again. You, you got to get into um, friendship is magic. The uh, you know what, what My Little Ponies <laughs> my little show. Pony. They have actually they have a two part episode about or why socialism Power, is bad. Powerpuff Girls. Are you know about the Powerpuff Girls thing, right? I I don't. I want to know about this. What's what's with the Powerpuff Girls? Do you want to tell it or do you want me to? Well, you tell it because you've actually watched it. Yeah. And, okay. So let me let me tell the basics. Um. So there were the last episode of the Powerpuff Girls was new Powerpuff Girls or old Powerpuff Girls? Old Powerpuff Girls. Okay. The original Gendy Tarkowski was against. Fr- from what Jessica told me, I didn't watch it. I don't. I I, I didn't have the time, but. You've got five kids. This is I easy to make the time. Time, man. <laughs> Your kids aren't watching but, cartoons. You're, you're parenting wrong. I'm sorry. But apparently, it was very pro-capitalism, anti-communist, etc. And so, I actually, I don't know if she's watched it since, but I found a copy and sent it to Jessica because yeah. it was apparently so controversial that it wasn't actually shown in America. Nope. It was only shown in Canada. Mm-hmm. It's extremely anti-socialist. It's musical. The whole episode is musical, and there are like four or five numbers that tell this story about this, um, I guess he's a leprechaun who comes into town <laughs> giving out red roses. And I'm so excited about everything I'm hearing yeah, right now. I'll it's it so bizarre, and I'm a really big fan of sort of like obscure and bizarre things, and so... When it's like the very last episode of the Powerpuff Girls never even aired in the U.S. and nobody even thought about it or said anything about it. And when you watch this thing, you realize why. Because it is um, political. It's like uh, very strongly and obviously political in nature. And they're like, we can't show this on Cartoon Network. What the hell? And it's completely out of character of the show. I don't know what the hell he was going for with that, but he had something to say for sure. He was like, peace out, bitches. For those who aren't aware, there is a two-part episode of My Little Pony in which they they have a, a, what do you call it, a pony problem they have to solve. And so they go off to this town in the mountains. Irma is so cute, by the way. Yeah, with those kitty ears. I love it. That's the hope for the next generation, (laughs) folks. Uh, the, The premise is they go off to this town where everybody, like all the ponies have their own cutie mark. But in this town... Everybody has an equal sign instead of a cutie mark, because because the leader of the town convinced them that all of the uniqueness, like is why all strife happens. As long as all they're all the same in everything, and there's no reason for strife. Everyone just helps out and does their part. I'm looking this up right now. I have to see it right now. And 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 the actual premise of the episode is them trying to find a way, find out what's going on. Number one, and then to give all of the uh, ponies their cutie marks back. And let them be who they are as opposed to subjugating themselves. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, I they probably all, won't watch it, but that is interesting. They all have a very cult-like, like their eyes are all wide and they're staring. They, yes. Yeah, you can see how they're under a spell of some kind. Well, they're not. That's the thing. They're just convinced. This person came in and said, you know, things didn't exactly work out for you in your old life. Well, I got an idea for a new life. And the crazy is that that's kind of all it takes. You got a compelling story about how you're going to fix somebody's life and you can convince them of anything. These images from this episode are pretty crazy, to be honest. It's actually, it's, in, well, it's not one episode. That's the thing. It's a two-parter. They're, um... Like, they, they thought that this concept deserved two episodes. Good for them. 
Also, let me mention, good for Gina Carano. I love her. Because Mandalorian, despite all of the the people on there who believe the things they do for right or wrong and push it, it's a great show. It's a great, great um, example. It's very rare in media. It's about a great example. Fett, right? It's a great example of fatherhood. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a something you don't story. see that often. Mm-hmm. It's it's wonderful, and there's some uh, if if he comments it, it, there's some Japanese or anime or something that Ryan says is that it's based on. But she got in trouble months ago because she refused to put her pronouns in her bio Beep. on Twitter. Lone wolf and cub is the the. Show oh, that's or a movie good one. Ryan talks about. He says that that's what Mandalorian is based off of. I don't know. I'm. I'll just go and watch Lone Wolf I, and Cub again. I don't watch tentacle porn, so I don't know. <laughs> but uh, well, you're um, missing out, my friend. <laughs> Talk about such things. I have a, I have a, I have a tasteful, a tasteful picture of a white woman's ass with a, uh, with an octopus <laughs> on it in my bedroom. <laughs> it's called the Fisherman's Wife. I love it. I think I got it for Liz for our anniversary. But Mandalorian, it's a good show. But Gina Carano got in trouble months ago because she was pressured to put her pronouns in her bio, and she said no. I respect that. Well, no, she didn't say no. She said beep boop. Right. She said she she used the um the uh, NPC version of "fuck you." I'm not going to do it. Um, but I respect that. And in my bio on Twitter, it says, "Please don't use." pronouns around me thanks which is a troll because when i get in conversations with people who disagree with me they start listing pronouns as if that's actually going to get to me and they'll (laughs) say oh you know that i and we are a pronoun right i'm like yes bitch i set you up i'm laughing but just recently she said something about how the ideological well, she said she loves Nazis. That's what I heard. Right. That's that, that would be the common parlance for what she said. But yeah, she would said essentially the way people are treating ideology and thoughts and being on the right in any sense is very similar to how they demonized Jews back in the day. You're not allowed to say what you think. Can you believe that she said Republicans are like Jews? Right. <laughs> Even though Pedro Pascal, which, you know, calling out hypocrisy is kind of a blue-pilled thing. They're not going to change. Why fucking mention it? Right. They are living yeah. among, along their principles. It doesn't matter to them. They're not going to change. But he did the same thing with the constant, the um, Mexican children concentration camps. Oh, I'm sure he called, called Trump Hitler for three years. Right. But she said that. And, and it, was, it was actually fairly nuanced. But she got just summarily fired from Disney. And how was she fired from Disney? Via uh, Twitter, I believe. It was via well, social they media. Didn't, they didn't fire her at all. She found out from Twitter she was fired. Right. That's awful. Right. She, uh, said she had an idea it was happened because they sent her, like accidentally sent her an email that was like with them talking shit on her and planning their, their what they were going to do. And I, I, th- I think it just it went as long as it could before John... Fa- as long as it could with John Favreau basically protecting her. Right. I don't think John Favreau's a bad guy, by the I way. I love John Favreau. He's in swingers. 
I think that well, it, it, the the higher ups in Disney were looking for a reason to fire her for a long time because of the pronoun stuff, and I think that that was just their excuse. Well, from what I understand, John Favreau is not happy about how how she was done for certain, and she was that character Cara Dune. From what I understand, was specifically written with her in mind by John himself. Yeah, and they were they were going to do an entire standalone show with her in it. I would have watched and the they found shit a reason out of to that. Fire her. That's bullshit. I'm so pissed off about that. And that's what's interesting about it is if you look at the the lo- timeline of events, what they are saying that they're doing versus what they're actually doing is that they actually despise strong women who do not kowtow to their whims. Yeah. That was the the moral of the story because she was told what she could or could not say and she said fuck you that's so not but that's the thing it's so not her she politely declined it wasn't even like she like it wasn't a fuck you she was so much more of like so much better of a person than that and like did you hear some of the struggle sessions that they put her through over the beep boop thing no no like she had a dinner with like a bunch of trans people that like (laughs) disney forced her to have where she, where she was supposed to, apparently there was like some so like she had a con had like some kind of conference call where they had like forty different trans people on that she had to like hear their personal stories. And how go, many like, of them killed themselves before the end of the call? Do you know how many trans people hate like, this shit too? Because <clears throat> excuse me, there are so many uh, trans people on Twitter who complain about this because it makes things harder for them. That all of this attitude yeah. comes from a very small group within the trans community and it actually makes and it, it makes harder. me feel some sort of way about my tranny porn <laughs> well, I mean, you know i have heard from friends who are trans they have said to me what frustrates me the most about this is that this is activists and academics that are pushing this and not people who are actually struggling with this. Well, well, Cam, we got the confirmation from Jessica. Like, she started spreading this in 2010 to fuck up the Occupy movement. Yeah, that, uh, purposefully. <laughs> it's an op. <clears throat> you know, I actually, there was a um, Occupy Atlanta group that was in my city at the time, and I went down there. and What city? Uh, Atlanta. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I just... Dad jokes. Come on, man. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, so we went down there and there was, we very quickly got the impression that we weren't welcome there. We were seen as outsiders. Um, We just went down there to check it out. But for whatever reason, me and the two two guys that I was with very quickly got the impression we weren't welcome and we should leave. And so um, even at the outset, I kind of knew that like, hey, this is weird. These people are strange. They have a very cult-like mentality. And it didn't occur to me how integrated that was into like the social justice movement. That actually yeah. came to me through Facebook. So I didn't connect the two of them at the time. But I do, I, I, I think that's a really important point that Nick made earlier. And I never really connected those things in that way before. But I can, I can actually see them kind of blend. I'd never thought about it. And someone said, I mean, it, it, the timing is... Fairly odd. Yeah. 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 And I don't know. There was definitely like a split amongst the people who were there who were like, whoever you are, you're not part of our movement. You know, you're. You guys want the white pill and all this? Sure. Y- yes, baby. Yes. The white pill and all this is they're pulling out everything 
Yeah. All the big guns are coming out, which means they're scared. Yeah, they are so scared. Look, look, look at the Trump Q thing. Mm. The Trump Q thing. Right. They're trying so hard. I, I do the leftists I've talked to. And this is like the same thing I used to tell people. Like, There's leftists. I've talked to them. I've warned them. I'm like, they'll, they'll say, oh, uh, the, the NRA is a terrorist organization. Oh, bullshit. And I'm like, if <laughs> you think the NRA is a terrorist organization, let me tell you about my friends. Right. <laughs> right. The, the, the NRA is your best friend. Right. Because they're keeping people from joining the, the actual gun rights organizations. They're appeasers. And those people don't take anything. And in that same vein, I'm trying to tell people, so you're, you, you're, you think that everyone who voted for Trump is a, a secret you know, terrorist. All, all of me and my peacenik libertarian friends, we're all terrorists. You know, people that literally spend all of our time advocating for not killing people. Um, that's weird <laughs> and terrifying. And I've definitely given my mom a shit, like saying, so you voted for Biden, who is... Now put me on a terrorist watch list. Thank you very much. Um, but you're saying that a guy who had the most Republican votes in history, 74 million people, I think is what it was. Wasn't that what it was? You're telling me that that many... Guys, I, I hate to break it to you. That's If you think that many people in the world, what are you, what are you trying to keep any of this together for? Right. Just spray it up. That's, that's your only option because... I don't know how you're going to convince all those people unless, you know, you, you do want to do gulags. But I also Come hate to me, tell baby. you that all those people have guns. <laughs> it's going to be a real bad time trying to shoo them all in with your sticks. Tragically, I lost all my guns in a, in a go fuck yourself accident. And I don't have any anymore. It's, it's hard. Weird porn. It's a go fuck yourself accident guns. <laughs> we won't go there. I did. I did warn you all. I'm a degenerate, right? <laughs> but no, I, I, I've gotten tired of the tragic boat accident, so I've decided to go full head on into the go fuck yourself accident. So because that's what really that's where to I them. am. <laughs> yeah, go fuck yourself. <laughs> but like I said, I was about to actually ask you because we're we're nearing two hours. So I'm sure if people haven't dropped off already, they're going too soon. So let me ask you, Nick, the a funhouse mirror version of myself, um, what do you think is a white pill? What is something that people should microdose at this moment that should give them hope that we can win, that we can live the lives we want to live? What is it that you think shows the world that it's not all doom and gloom. Because I can't deal with doom and gloom. I can't do that. That's bullshit. Right. You wanna you wanna know what it is? Tell I'm me, gonna, baby. I'm gonna do the I'm gonna do the Nick thing right here. And I'm gonna I'm gonna shout out to, you know, my podcaster people. Do it, baby. I want I want people to start listening to Living Free in Tennessee with Nicole Sauce and the Survivalist Podcast with Jack Spirko. Because these are people that are out there actively working on starting their own communities. Educating people on what opting out looks like. Yes. And they're all busy doing shit and have no time to think about anything outside of that. Bottom line is if you want to stay in the matrix and do that, great. We're not going to. We're going to be over here doing shit. And that is something that we're going to start pushing and focusing on in the near future. I have plans to help make what we talk about 
the freedom, the personal freedom, the freedom as an example, the world doesn't have to be the bullshit that you see on the TV screen practical. People say, hey, you're an asshole if you're wearing sunglasses at night indoors. Fuck and I them. say, fuck you. I'm going <laughs> to do it. But that is something that we're going to veer into in the near future. And that is what we, what we live in now is a time that people are seeing as the end. They're seeing as a dark, depressing moment in history. When in reality, if you take the time, if you, if you push forth the effort to really do something, this is the time to really take steps to actually be free. This is the time to show people that you can do it. This is the time to plant peppers and claymores. And if you're not doing that, you're missing out on life. Because if you're spin sticking your nose in books about how sh shit everything is, if you're sticking, if you if you're using your ears only to listen to the depressing, you're missing out on the fact that you can live free right now. You can do things right now that make your life better and make your family's life better, and ultimately show the example to those around you that you don't have to live under this tyranny. How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World by Amen. Harry Brown should be required reading for every American. And that's the thing. You are right. And that is that is some a book that I have started but haven't finished yet. But something, the concept that I've heard spouted about that I think is important, that I think is something that we need to push, that's something that we need to lead on the forefront of and I, something I we're going to really, push to. I really, really mess with you here and give mess a shout you, out babe. that you absolutely hate. Don't don't you dare. Don't you dare. <laughs> I, I only have it, and that's why he wasn't on my podcast it. list, because don't it's you. It. Don't say it, babe. Don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> because we're going to fill that space in ways that that human being is incapable of. Well, you know what I'd recommend if you're a weird person and you got kids and you want to find out about how weird people with kids are going out there and Peace taking freaks. on the world and trying to do the best for their families... I recommend going and heading over to peacefreaks.com. Spell freaks whichever way you want. It'll end up the same place. And have a fine time. We and Liz talk about our reading. We talk about our homeschooling. Uh, our episode I've been editing this week is actually us talking about the Ariana Grande video, 34 plus 35, and the testosterone I debacle. I saw a TikTok about that, and I don't understand it. But what? <laughs> I, I saw a TikTok right before this that said, what is negative 34 plus 35? That's because people are stupid. It's not negative 34. It's 34 plus 35, and that negative is the formatting of the video, the title. Artist hyphen song title. It's okay. not negative 34 plus 35. It's 34 plus 35, which, by the okay. way, is 69. It's a song about giving oral sex. <laughs> Great. Thank you for explaining that. And I, was and so I personally, confused. I personally recommend that you go out and listen to the remix version featuring Doja Cat and Megan The Stallion. It, it reminds me a lot of "Ain't No Fun If the Homies Can't Have None" by Snoop Dogg and uh, those guys back in the day. It's dirty as hell. It's also funny as hell. Uh, a woman talking about servicing herself. It's referring to it DIY like it's YouTube. <laughs> it's a great lyric. <laughs> All right. So 
listen to Peace Freaks. But before we get to the main event of me telling you where to go and where to search for all of us, I do think that it's appropriate to tell you that we have a special show on Sunday with the one and only Hotep Jesus. I personally do not know what a Hotep is. And every time I've searched for it, it's been lacking in a very major sense. I just so, assume those black men telling other black men to do better. Right. Well, that wouldn't be so bad. But <laughs> but I, 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 I do want to play element. my promo for this. Right. right. The, the word Hotep <laughs> means peace. Don't ask white people for shit. Like right. That. Don't center white people. And this is a conversation we're going to have this coming Sunday. I want to play the promo for that. Tana Hasey Coates thinks that black people need white people. And that's bullshit. bullshit. You don't need me. Bullshit. So let me play that that uh, promo. Good enough. And then we'll, smart enough. we'll wrap that shit up. Here we go. Have you ever been on Twitter and thought to yourself, what is a hotel? I know I have. When you go on YouTube to find out, you find a lot of people with chips on their shoulders answering that question for you. They're bigots. They're homophobes. They hate women. But the guys you've interacted with have been cool. Actually, they've been beyond cool. Clearly, they got something wrong. To cap off Black History Month, we decided to explore that question and others with the baddest Hotep of them all, Hotep Jesus. Join us as we peel back the layers of propaganda and shoot the shit with one of the coolest motherfuckers on the planet. So this Sunday, February 28th, 5 p.m., we will be talking to Mr. Hotep Jesus. I hope that I can call him Tep the entire time because I feel like that's a, <laughs> a familiarity that I want. Um, and I but, hope he bitch slaps the shit out of you. Oh, God. I, I can't tell you what Virtually would be better. Um, but before that, I want to share the one of the funniest videos that I've ever seen. For those who are just listening, this is a video about a woman who got stopped, followed by a car full of white men to tell her that her car had a freaking gas, what is it? Get, uh, nozzle. Gas nozzle yeah. stuck in the car. <laughs> but her immediate thought was that they were following her to, I don't know, harass her, to rape her. I don't know what the thought was. But I feel like this is worth worth watching. And so I will play that out. But before we go, if you want to find Mr. Nick Bacone, a.k.a. Nicky P., a.k.a. Three Dicks, as I've named him, you can go to nickpacone.com. You can search for Peace Freaks on your favorite podcatcher. You can just go to peacefreaks.com. Spell it how you want. You'll get there. And you can listen to him and his wonderful, beautiful sweet wife Lizzie talking about parenthood from the punk perspective, from the ANCAP perspective. There's so much good there and you don't want to miss that. If you want to find my girl Jessica Green, a.k.a. Soup Can, the best 
watercolor painter in the business. Oh, God. You can find her on Twitter True. at Soup Canarchist. Or if you want to appear at the beautiful watercolor, uh, watercolors she does, you can go to Instagram and search for Sovereign Cookies Art. She, if you want to see the evolution of an artist, that's the place to go. Of a very new artist. She took COVID and made the best out of it. If you want to find me, I'm an asshole. I'm on Twitter. Go to twitter.com slash Cam I like to call people cunts. I like to tell presidents and prime ministers. English language, by the way. <laughs> I like to tell presidents and prime ministers to go fuck themselves and to eat shit and die. If you would like to to check that out before I get kicked off of Twitter, go to twitter.com slash Cam If you want to join our small but growing community over at themadones.locals.com, I put it the lowest amount, $2. $2 a month, and you can, you can interact with me. You can interact with Jessica. You can interact with Ryan if you really want to. But... We have plenty to say. We do a secret Santa every year, and you can be a part of that. Also, I have shirts. I made them. I put them on Amazon. Amazon is shit. Eventually, I will go over to um, Teespring or something a little bit better that, that where their IP rules aren't so fucking stupid. But I'll put some, some links for that in the YouTube description as well as the description for the show on your podcatcher. But go to wearethemadones.com, go to themadones.locals.com, join us, enjoy our presence, ask us questions, push back on us. We're here to answer the hard questions, even if we're assholes, and do it that way. If you noticed this week that my sound was a little bit better, I want to give a special thank you to Zen Pro Audio. They actually sent me this microphone to help me on my journey to greatness. It's not greatness, but we have a lot of good in store for you. And without Zen Pro Audio, we wouldn't be here right now. So with that, I want to play us out on that video of the girl <laughs> who decided that she was going to be harassed rather than have a, than someone tell her that she drove off without pulling the gas pump out of her, uh, out of her car. So here we go. Thank you, Nick Pacone, for coming on the show. I love you, brother. I I didn't know exactly what what was going to happen the first time I was on your show, but it has been an invaluable friendship, and I am so happy to know you. Same with you, Jessica. Oh, thank you. But with that, let's watch this video, and as always, live the life you want to live, how you want to live it. Raise Jesus! Stay mad, bitches! Have a, Leave me but, alone! Why do you keep following me? It's honestly so uh, creepy, and I'm gonna call the cops. Okay? Man, no, no, no. Because you guys aren't leaving me alone, and that's why women yeah, can't wait. go out in the world by themselves, because of guys like you. <laughs> what? Me, okay? So stop you, following me. You have? Oh, like, I, don't, I don't know if you have like a like gas problem. You have a thing hanging out of your car. What are you talking about? There's a literally a gas hose. Hanging out of your car, no one's being creeped. Oh. No, thank you, I guess. Thank you, uh, There's the thank you. That's. Uh, oh, she's what? She's taking it with oh, her? Oh, she does that. <laughs> Thanks for to get all of it. <laughs> wow, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, you didn't even close the gas cap. She's out here.